0: Yeah, greetings from the Gulf Coast, the panhandle of Florida up here uh, in Milton near Pensacola. Oh, ranging the chair. Look at the chair arranged properly. Uh, maybe one of those office chairs and get stuck in your rug. and It's, just, it's really frustrating. <laughs> it's, it's, it, I'll tell you, it's the little things that drive you crazy. Uh, Michael Savage. I always talked about Cicero and the pebble in your shoe. And so the, the pebble in my shoe is, is keeping my chair from getting caught on the rug while I'm doing the show. So everybody has something. So just to let you know, it's pretty real here. And uh, I love sharing these little idiosyncrasies just because, just because, and I can. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. This is going to be a really special day. I am very excited about our guest in the second hour, and that's Jeff Childers. Jeff Childers is the founder of Childers Law. And I met him at the first medical freedom rally in Pensacola put on by Dr. Deborah Biglione. And uh, I, I, we should tell, address from the proper Italian, Viglione. So I'll, I'll tell her about that sometime and see if I'm accurate. Anyway, so she put on these incredible medical freedom rallies um, with the most amazing guests. And some were by Zoom. We had a big uh, screen at the stadium there. And the stadium only seats maybe three or 4,000 people. It's not big. It's for the Blue Wahoos. And so the Blue Wahoos is our local baseball team. Anyway, one of the guests was Childers, And so he was there speaking. And then... You know, we got to chat with some of these folks afterwards. We all kind of ran onto the baseball field, one of those was me. And in the next rally, I got to speak. Um, I had a problem speaking because the way that the PA was set up, your voice comes back to you because they sort of had the speakers behind the crowd and the speakers are aiming at the crowd. So when you speak, you hear your voice and then you hear your own voice back, you know, uh, like a half a second later. Some people can do it. I can't. (laughs) Maybe it's the ADHD. Maybe it's something, but I can't do it. And so I had real trouble there, and so I spoke twice, and I said, that's it. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my show where I hear my voice once, and, and once is probably enough for most people. But I got to meet Jeff, and he said something really profound, and I'll talk to him about this at some point during the show. But I asked him, I said, you know, what can we do? And I told him, I told him about Action Radio, and we're, a, you know, the, the citizen legislature and, and the bill writing service that we have and, and how we have a lot of legislation we're trying to get, get passed. And he said, uh, he said, you know, give us the tools. Give us, uh, give us the laws. I mean, the laws are our tools. Give us the things that we can use in court. And so I don't think I'm betraying the confidence by saying that because uh, it's pretty profound it's pretty, and it's pretty important and it, it makes perfect sense. So that's what, what, what Jeff, you know, told me. And, of course, we already were doing that, but a lot of times it's really nice to have the reinforcement. And so that's exactly what happened. So, so our goal here for the lawyers is to give them the tools that they can use in court. And two of the biggest ones, of course, are vaccine product liability uh, and uh, liability for big tech. And it's, it's liability. And I mentioned this on the, on the show, I don't know, like a week or so ago, that one of the keys to freedom is liability. It really is. Because with liability, you can hold other people responsible in a court of law. You can seek, you know, you can't change uh, outcomes that have happened. I mean, we, we can't, you know, put the chemicals back in the, the tankers in, uh, on the train in Ohio. You know, we can't do a lot of things. We can't, you know, unrelease COVID. You <laughs> can't put it back in, you know, in, in the gain of function in either the North Carolina, Wuhan, or wherever, uh, you know, wherever else it was, uh, it was created. But we can hold people accountable in terms of liability. Um, you know, big tobacco, lung cancer, things like that. We're held accountable with liability. Liability, I believe, is one of the most powerful tools available to the citizen to stand up to the biggest of corporations and the biggest of government. And so it's harder with government because they have kind of immunity. I'm going to talk to Jeff about that uh, as the, as the, uh, you know, the situation arises Uh, Callers, I'm just going to say right now, it's probably going to be limited, you know, limited to folks I know. Uh, And so if you're a new caller, you really want to sign in. And if it's a new caller that I, I do know, and I just don't have you registered, you know, on our, on our, You know, infinitely growing log of phone numbers now uh, Then just uh, sign in and, uh, you know, first name or or full name if you want, if you're a public figure, feel free. And so I can get you on after that. But my main purpose of today is to talk about our our laws, vaccine product liability and big tech liability, uh, and to talk about in a conference that Jeff is going to in Atlanta uh, coming up next month. And so this conference is, it's the lawyer's guide to COVID lawsuits. And so if they had vaccine product liability, that conference would be completely different, you know? And so what I'm hoping is that he will take these bills, those two bills to that conference, introduce them, get the links out there. And, uh, you know, like I said, I don't know if he's affiliated with the National Trial Lawyers Association. I'll find out. I'll find out what he thinks of them. (laughs) That might be interesting too. Uh, I didn't see it on his website, but uh, you never know. And so just, but, you know, and, You don't have to be. And just as I, you know, left the the, the NRA, the the National Rifle Association years ago when they became nothing but a gutless fundraising organization uh, in the same way the national trial lawyers may not be of use. I I think they are because I think that if the national trial lawyers get behind these two bills uh, and I don't care if they do it because they're going to get billion dollar settlements or if they do it because it really is the right thing to do uh, or both, (laughs) you know, uh, it's it's uh, it was it was still nice to have their help. And so that's what I'm working towards. But those two bills, but liability, the ability to hold other people larger than yourself accountable for what they do to you, I think is critical to a free society. And I don't think I talk about it enough. And so I wrote some things down here. Maybe I'll I'll make over a couple of the questions that I have for Jeff just because, just in case I miss them on the show later, um, you know, when when you do an interview with someone that you really want to talk to and you're trying to get everything in, you know, I always over prep. I have way too much stuff here. And so anything I miss, I want to kind of get on the, on the same podcast so people can refer to it. And the first question I have, you know, is what happened in COVID? And it seems to me um, the politicians completely failed. Uh, they, they were just, they totally tossed the Constitution out the window. They imposed mandates. They had no business imposing. And, of course, you know, uh, a lot of people went along with it. So a lot of people failed. A lot of American citizens failed to resist, you know, tyranny. So, so they failed. Uh, the health, government health completely failed. You know, saying everything, well, it's in the public interest. We can do it. We can can restrict your rights. It's a pandemic. It's an emergency. We have to do something. No, you don't. Because if they'd actually followed the Constitution, uh, you know, the whole pandemic would have been over with in about four or five months. And no vaccines. You know, we had early treatments. It would have been, freedom would have worked. And I want to talk to Jeff about that too. So freedom would work. Depression didn't. So the government health completely failed, but I think they were complicit with Big Pharma in using an extortion scheme to not only addu- adduce a bioweapon, but make billions of dollars in profit for themselves. That's what's really going on. Who else failed? The church has failed. You know, the idea of a church closing up uh, and not resisting the government and saying, look, we've got a First Amendment. We have constitutional rights. No, we're not going to close down. You haven't even proved that your, your solutions work. And even if they did, they're still voluntary because you can't impose that on us because we have rights. We have rights against illegal seizures. You know, and this is something um, that was interesting, too, to me that I'll bring up with Jeff. He, he, on his website, Childers Law, there's, there's two court cases. there are appellate cases, and I guess they videotape them. So it's kind of like a virtual you know, trial thing. So you have, you have all these little talking heads on these different windows. Well, it's like a big Zoom call. And so he said the first case was rather technical. The second case, now I post all these on, uh, on the Action Radio Legal Action Radio Legal. Uh, project And so we have many groups here at Action Radio. A lot of them overlap. Legal, special investigations, Trump 2024, and election integrity seem to overlap many times. Not always, but a, a lot of times. Uh, of course, we also have a private vaccine group, too, that uh, is real hard to get into because I really want people that I trust uh, in that group just because of what can happen. And what did happen to our original group the uh, Dr. Zelenko Action Radio Coronavirus Clearinghouse, where we actually were breaking news on a daily basis, where individual people, just regular folks, you know, you and me, uh, could talk to Dr. Zelenko, you know, right there on our Facebook page. And he would, uh, you know, it was, it was more general. People had questions. He'd come back and post answers. And it was, it was fabulous. It was an amazing service to people. That's how we learned about ivermectin. Uh, that's how we learned. And I was skeptical. I said, what is this ivermectin stuff? I didn't know. You know, I thought, well, hydroxychloroquine's it. Well, apparently ivermectin's it too. And so Dr. Flanko corrected me and said, no, Greg, <laughs> this works too. Oh, okay. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Appreciate the help. Uh, so yeah, that's the thing, too. Never be afraid to be wrong uh, because if, or, and never worry about being wrong because uh, being wrong is, is, is natural, normal. And uh, you know, if you, anybody takes a position, you know, some of the time or a lot of the time, you're going to be wrong. Okay, so change your position. No big deal. Move on. Life is good. So the churches failed. Churches failed completely. The, the pastors failed. The priests failed. The, the ministers failed. The, the, the clergy the, the failed. Everybody failed because they refused to hold services or they held services with masks. And nobody even read the damn box. You know, for the, the first, I don't know, I know it's through 2020 and probably most of 2021, the Chinese mask, those little blue paper masks with all the chemicals that smelled bad and had the parasite worms and the things in them and all the other stuff we heard about. Um, those things. had on the box, you know, does not stop virus. You know, does not stop virus transmission. Well, of course, COVID is a virus. <laughs> so the fact that uh, the mask that everybody was wearing clearly says in the directions, which proves nobody reads the directions, right? Because if you did, you wouldn't wear the damn mask. I didn't. Uh, I, I was uh, working on a part-time job, which I still do. And it's kind of funny that uh, they said, you know, wear a blue mask. No. Well, it's your job. You have to. All right. Let me just try this thing. So for like five minutes, and I, I remember breathing the fumes and everything else, and, the, the, and my glasses fogged up. And I said, this is BS. And I took it off and said, here. And the boss is, you know, right there, right? And I said, I'm going to throw up on you right here all over your shirt if you make me wear this. I feel sick to my stomach. Okay, Greg, you don't have to wear a mask. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> sure, that was good. So just for show, I used to wear like a cotton mask under my chin just for appearances. But I never wore it anywhere else. You know, it was, it was really funny. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a delivery gig. So, um, those that know, know. But anyway, um, it, it was just it was fascinating, the whole concept. I never wore a mask. I never wore a mask all through COVID. I, I was in, in, out in public all the time. Uh, I never got sick after I initially had COVID, which was end of December, beginning of January, uh, January 2020, when, when most of us got it through here. Uh, a lot of us, you know, we were, who was I talking to? Uh, oh, Dorothy Diana Monday. She got up in North Carolina in February. So it kind of made, it, made its way through the whole country before, long before. I mean, we were already over COVID before the vaccine even came out, which is usually the case. You look at polio, you look at most diseases. Uh, the the so-called vaccine, you know, or in this case, the non-vaccine, comes along after the bug's already gone. And then the vaccine only serves to mutate it into other forms, which require more vaccines. Vaccines are a marketing plan. Okay, They're not a solution. The solution generally is immunity, natural immunity. And so how do you get there fastest? Like the solution to polio, was not the, the the vaccine? You know, polio was basically gone by the time that came out. The solution was sewers, good sewers, <laughs> you know, you know, not cesspools into the groundwater. Okay, uh, you know, sewers and, and chlorine and swimming pools and things like that. That's what really stopped polio. Go ahead, look at the historic record if you don't believe me. Let me check it out. Anyway, so the clergy failed, the doctors failed, the hospitals failed. Uh, they all followed government protocols, which failed. They failed the people because they were intent on a bioweapon and making billions in profits. Uh, so the media completely failed, uh, censoring all of us. Big tech failed, not for them, because they made money on their investments in the, in the jab. But uh, they failed us by not allowing uh, those of us who knew what was going on, me, you know, America's Frontline Doctors, you know, Jeff Shoulders, <laughs> all the folks around here, you know, our, our world's greatest doctors panel, you know, Ben Marble, Judy Mikovits, Jim Thorpe, uh, Brian Artis, and the other folks, we knew what was going on. I knew what was going on through simple logic. Okay, And this is, this is something, um, I don't, I don't I think I have it on my list to talk about with Jeff, but you, you look, if you look at the situation logically, which is what I try to do with everything, and I'm not necessarily a logical person most of the time, but I think with, through logic and reason, you know, the Socratic method from Socrates, you analyze, you ask questions, you argue the case, you know, and you can pretty much resolve everything uh, in one way or another. And what you don't know, you know what to find out. So you don't have to have all the answers, but you at least have to know what you know and know what you don't know, know what you can uh, derive from what you do know, and then you can provide, you know, common sense answers for yourself. And so the argument that I got from from leftists, and you hear this all the time, well, you're not an expert. Well, the experts killed a million people, and, you know, and I, and I talk about early treatments and, and cures. So who's the expert? So being an expert, it, it depends what you're an expert in. What, death? That's what you're an expert in? Okay, fine. If you're Dr. Death, if you're Dr. Fascist, you know, the, the, the bioweapon, uh, you, know, um, you know, health Nazi, <laughs> you know, the bioweapons bio, bio in billions. I've got to find a way to work that into a conversation somehow. The bioweapons in billions is what COVID policy was all about. It was about spreading a bioweapon and making billions. That's what COVID was and a market, through a marketing scheme of fear, <laughs> mandates, and all kinds of other stuff. So who else failed? Everybody pretty much failed. So my question for Jeff is going to be, how did the lawyers do? You know, how did the lawyers do during COVID? Did they stand for the Constitution? Did they stand? And I hate the expression rule of law because we're not rule laws. We, we use laws to, to serve us, to protect our lives and our property and our rights. That's what laws are for. So I don't want the rule of law any more than I want the rule of government or I want the rule of the military or the rule of anything else. I don't want to be ruled. It's just that simple. I'm a, I'm a sovereign individual citizen. I have rights. My individual rights are the supreme law of the land, as are yours, as are everybody's. Because that's what it says in the Constitution, that the states created a constitution to limit government so they wouldn't touch our rights. That's what the Bill of Rights is all about, which leads to my next discussion of the, uh, the, the, the appeals case that Jeff Childers was arguing um, before the Florida District uh, Court. And it was fascinating. That was the talking head thing I referred to earlier. So he's got two cases on his website. Uh, I listened to, well, I tried to listen to the first one. It got really technical and I got bored. So this is no fun. So the second one, I thought, well, this is kind of cool. It was on uh, a Gainesville mask mandate. And so I don't know the original. I'll ask him about the original case. This was the appeal. So so the county of, of, or the town of Gainesville and the county, whatever county he's in, I'm not sure, we'll find out, uh, had a mask mandate. And he argued successfully and got it overturned which is pretty cool. And then I think the, uh, the county appealed to the district court. And I'm not sure the result of that. We just see the oral arguments, but we don't you know, get the results of the case. But I'm going to ask him about that because it was, it was very clear. And this is my next big question for him too. So I'm kind go of going over these now because uh, I'm not going to have this much time to ask him you know, when he's here in the next hour. But there's a, there's a fundamental shift in, uh, in the way that uh, the COVID was handled by government and handled by us. You know, compliance versus resistance. The government, argued that this is a pandemic, this is an emergency, we have to do something, millions of people are going to die, and because of that, we can do anything that we see fit and make you do to solve this crisis. That is BS. That is total BS. So I'm going to argue, and, and Jeff, I believe, is arguing too, but I'll ask him just to make sure. I, I never like to, to speak for other people, uh, especially I may be partially right, but I don't, I don't want to be partially right. I want to be absolutely correct. So I think what he's saying, and I know what I'm saying, is that the Constitution is always in force. That when the Constitution was ordained and established, until it's unordained and unestablished, it's in force. You know, Until it's amended to the point where we lose our rights or other things that will happen, which might happen in a convention of states or a constitutional convention, it's in force. So the Fourth Amendment doesn't go away just because there's a pandemic or a nuclear war. Our rights never go away because they don't come from government. See, this is why it's so important to understand that rights do not come from government. That, way, that means government can't take them away because they didn't come from them in the first place. Rights come from God. We are born with rights. That's what it means to be a human being. And once you realize that, you realize that a government cannot take away rights you know, given by God as our birthright. Everything else makes sense. So the government in their arrogance, what they're saying is you don't have a God-given birthright. You don't have rights at all except for what we say they are. And if we determine there's an emergency and a pandemic, we can prescribe things that may or may not work, but we don't care because we're the government and we have to do something. So because we're the government and we have to do something, we can impose mask mandates, so-called vaccines that aren't, that aren't safe and aren't effective, just the opposite. We can, we can separate people by six feet, which is laughable for a virus that spreads by aerosol and can go 200 feet on a sneeze. (laughs) I looked that up a while ago, you know, and, and so the, the absurdity of this, so the, the, the fundamental flaw, the arrogance, the arrogance that these people in court do not see is that they do not see that they can't do what they did, that freedom works, that the best thing in a pandemic is our constitutional rights. They don't see that. They see it as the first thing to do is take away our constitutional rights. And they have these stupid tests that the Supreme Court made up. And they have phrases like reasonable restrictions or, or strict scrutiny. If, in other words, if we strictly apply this or, or have minimal impact, you know, then it's okay. Or if it's within our, our, our historic tradition. Well, I'm sorry, but spreading bioweapons you know, was not our historic tradition in the 1700s. I don't think they even knew about it. They just had, I don't even know if they've identified viruses at that point. So that that is ridiculous. In other words, it's okay if it was done historically? Well the Inquisition was historical for Spain. Does that make it okay today? Well, it's historical tradition. It was okay then. No. That's a bogus argument. Okay. So all these things, strict scrutiny, mild scrutiny, you know, light scrutiny, you know, uh, you know small, medium, and large, you know, uh, dark, darker, and darkest, you know, all these different uh, things, you know, well done, medium, rare. None of these things lie, okay? This is all a bunch of nonsense, and yet the Supreme Court and the government follows it because they believe that they can take away your rights. And anybody that believes it, that has no place in government. And so for the most part, especially this Judge Maker. I think it was his name. Uh, that's what I read on the videotape, M-A-K-E-R. I'll ask uh, Jeff about this too. This guy has no concept of what it means to, to serve the people in government. He thinks the people serve him. And he was the epitome of this attitude that we can do it because it's a dangerous disease, so it's okay. And they say rights aren't absolute. And, of course, my argument has always been, of course, rights are absolute. Anytime a right is not absolute, then it's not a right. It's a government privilege where they determine how much of the right you can have, okay? Free speech. Let's let's, let's go. We do this list all the time, but I still think it's critical. Free speech. Well, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Of course you can. You have the right under free speech to yell fire in a crowded theater, okay? Now, let's talk about the use of it. So So if you actually do yell fire in a crowded theater, there's two, there's two uh, possible outcomes. One, there actually is a fire and you're going to save lives. Or two, there is no fire and you might re- be you know, legally liable and responsible for a bunch of people storming out and uh, whatever death and, and injuries occur, it's on you because you yelled fire in a the theater that didn't have a fire. But can you yell fire in a crowded theater? Absolutely. Okay? And the same thing applies to the Second Amendment. We do this all the time. So the use of guns, when you actually use a gun, that is not covered by the Second Amendment. The right The right that the government can't touch is the ability to own and carry, to keep and bear. And the reason, and I say this all the time, the reason that use is not in the Second Amendment is because there are both legal and illegal uses of firearms. Because there are legal and illegal uses of firearms, that comes under statutory law. Statutory law is subordinate to the Constitution. But since the Constitution, the limit on government, the absolute limit on government that they cannot touch your ability to keep and bear, to own and carry, is so that you have the right to, to exercise, so that you can exercise the use of firearms legally instantaneously. That's what the Second Amendment is all about. The Second Amendment says you have an absolute right to keep and bear so that if you have, and they don't say it in there because use is not in there, but the purpose is so that you can use that right instantaneously because not only are rights guaranteed by God, given by God as part of our birthright, they're available to use instantaneously. If you have to yell fire in a crowded theater because it's an actual fire, you have to be able to do that instantaneously. And if these people run around saying, well, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, what's going to happen next time there's a fire in a crowded theater? No one's going to yell anything because they've been told from birth, well, you can't yell fire in a crowded ear. Well, that's a bunch of nonsense. And I just proved it. Okay. Same thing with Second Amendment. Keep and bear. You have an absolute right to keep and bear. Okay. Now, when you start using a firearm, that comes under statutory law, which is subordinate to the Constitution. And then it can be determined whether you used your firearm legally or illegally. Self-defense is legal. Murder is not. Really clear definitions here. So once you understand all that, let's apply this to COVID. So, where is the right of COVID? And I listen to the court case, and the one thing that didn't come up, you know me I mean? I, always, I always look for what's missing. What was missing from those trials that Jeff was involved with, Jeff Childers, was the Fourth Amendment. And we've argued this over and over again, that COVID policy, not COVID itself, COVID the bioweapon, the billionaire marketing plan, was was separate from COVID the government policy. Fourth Amendment, the right of the people, that's us, to be secure in our person's houses, papers, and effects, secure in our person. Our person is our body. Our person is our self. Our person is us. It's who we are. You know, our mind, body, spirit, emotion, you know, all that kind of stuff. Whatever makes up us, that's our person. So the idea of putting a mask on your face is a seizure of your person and a violation of the Fourth Amendment. And that was never talked about in those court cases because they don't consider the Constitution valid because they think they can limit it. They think they can put reasonable restrictions on the Constitution. They think they can use strict scrutiny and it's okay to, to, to take away your rights and totally screw them over. They think because they say it's a compelling state interest that the state interest overrides your individual rights. None of that is true. And yet they say it all the time. And people believe it because assumptions are stronger than truth. Greg's number one axiom. I say it all the time. Assumptions are stronger than truth. So when the government says you have to wear a mask, your response, your duty as a citizen is to say under the Fourth Amendment, I do not. I do not have to wear a mask. I do not have to take a jab. You cannot order me to put something in my body. I have mind and body autonomy. Okay. You cannot deny my free speech. And not only free speech, but free listening and free reading. So implied in the right of free speech, is the ability to receive that speech. And that isn't talked about either. So did big tech violate the First Amendment? Absolutely. When they restrict speech, that's called censorship. And when they, when, they, when they totally obliterate your ability to receive the messages because of the censorship, that is another violation. That is a violation of the receiver's right to hear the information, to read the information, to see the information, to judge for themselves. That is absolutely critical. And that is what's missing uh, from this entire government argument that these idiots on these courts do not understand. Our legislators don't understand this. Our own Mayor, uh, you know, Mayor Lindsay Milton didn't understand this when she was on the show. She admitted, I'm following the chain of command. Mass man- we should have mass mandates. We should have lockdowns. No, we shouldn't. I even talked to her on the show about it. Actually, she was a good sport about it. You know, we disagreed. But she at least had the courage to come on the show and talk to me about it. So I have no problem with somebody who disagrees with me as long as you come on the show and talk about it. You know. but, uh, but I respect her that she came on the show. I just don't agree with her opinion. I think she was wrong. And I think Milton thought she was wrong and the city council thought she was wrong. That's why we didn't get a mask mandate. That's why we were the first to hold a Mardi Gras parade. And of course, the doom and gloomers and all the people said, oh, you're all going to die. You're all going to drop dead. Dead, 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 dead. You know, COVID's going to spread. You're, 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 you're causing a super spreader. Well, it was a bunch of nonsense. So here's the biggest problem. The biggest problem was that the government policy was wrong, even if it was right, it was still unconstitutional, but if it was right, we would have followed it. You know if it, if, it were, if it were correct to do, and of course, anybody was free to put a mask on, you know, in the same way that the government cannot require a mask, I can't stop you from putting one on either. You want to put a mask on? go ahead. It's your face? You know I mean you're not going to see a law saying that you cannot wear well, unless you're committing a crime, <laughs> that's a different story, you know for identity purposes. But in terms of, of health, you want to put a mask on for your health? Go for it not going to help you. <laughs> we already know that because uh, viruses are smaller than uh, the spaces in the mask between the fibers. A lot smaller. You know, many orders of magnitude smaller. You know, as, uh, as uh, Dr. Simone Gold said, Simone Gold said, it's like a mosquito going through a chain link fence. I prefer my analogy better. It's like a mosquito going through a garage door, but I, I do exaggerate sometimes. So that's the thing. So you look at everything that was done with COVID. Everything that was done with COVID was wrong. Masks don't work, cause people to get sick. Isolation caused trauma, uh, caused all kinds of abuse, assault, sexual abuse, uh, child abuse, uh, financial hardship. People were out of their jobs. Uh, the rest of us you know, are indebted uh, more because the government gave away trillions of dollars You know, because people weren't working and because they let them sit at home. They're still sitting at home in, in some states. I'm not sure the current state of that. But everything the government did was wrong. Everything. You know? And so the irony of this whole thing, the thing that really never gets talked about that I'm going to bring up with Jeff, um, is the freedom actually worked. If freedom had been allowed to work instead of having it illegally suppressed, COVID would have been over with by July. It got here in January. It would have been gone by July. We would have had herd immunity. We had early treatments. It would have been gone. And everything else that happened after that was like a parallel universe, was completely unnecessary, dangerous. And we're still on that alternate alternate path today. And there's no reason for it. Freedom works. So had we followed the Constitution, had uh, everything been optional, government could say, well, we think, you know, and the CDC actually did offer guidelines. It's the governors and the mayors and the city councils and the county supervisors uh, and even the, the illegal person in the White House who's pretending to be president threw out mandates, you know, and made the mandates when they had no authority to do so. Because you can't mandate it. You can't mandate something that goes against your constitutional rights. It's just that simple, you know? The only exception is due process. The only time that rights can be taken, this is something I want to talk to Jeff about too, is due process. Okay, so what's due process when it comes to a disease? If you have a known communicable disease and you have symptoms of it, you can be quarantined. Because if it's determined that you have a communicable dangerous disease, you can be quarantined. Only to the extent that it stops the transmission of the disease And once you don't have it, once you're not, you know, uh, contagious, Back again. But, but, but you've been given your due process. So the exception is, you know, otherwise nobody could ever be put in jail. If everybody, you know, could always exercise the constitutional rights, you know, then people in jail say, well, I want my Second Amendment right. Well, that's absurd, right? So once you've had due process, you've been through, you know, the trial, the conviction, you've had the evidence presented, you've had a jury, all that kind of stuff. You know, or in the case of a disease, you've had a doctor, a physical check, a test that actually works, not the PCR test, a test that actually works, and it's determined that you have a communicable disease, you know, then uh, you can be quarantined for a while. The CDC, as, as far as I understand, does have the authority to qu- to quarantine people who come into the country with a known communicable disease. They have symptoms of it, which means they're transmissible. Asymptomatic is is a myth. That was that was just a way to that, that was part of the fear. That was part of the propaganda, part of the lies. You can't transmit. Judy, Judy Mikovits told us this. You can't transmit a, a, a disease if you're not, you know, spreading the disease into the air. So in other words, if you're not coughing and sneezing, you're just breathing in, and breathing out. You know, you, you know, or you're not gonna you're not gonna put enough. of of a virus into the air to just make a difference. You know, if you're close contact with someone for for many, many minutes and, uh, you know, you're all breathing the same air and you're exchanging uh, aerosols of a virus, yeah, you can probably spread it. You know, that's why you quarantine people, you know. But quarantine is a due process thing. Okay? So if you get your due process, you know, if there's a warrant, which would be like a CDC uh, thing where they say, okay, we're going to test you. And, you know, know, that's why they tested the border. If someone comes in, you know, off an airplane, obviously sick, they're going to, you know, put them aside and test them and find out what they got before they're released into, into the, the general public. Well, that only makes sense. That's, that's called border projection. And that's the, that's a lawful CDC duty. That's, I think that's their only duty as far as that. Everything else is just uh, you know, marketing and bioweapon and billions. All right. So the, <laughs> this is what I'm going to talk to you about. <laughs> know, I've got half an hour in and I, I'm just, I'm filling the questions that I'm going to ask him, but that's basically it. So I want to kind of hold up here and maybe I'll talk about something else. Uh, take a little break now and then Jeff will be at the top of the hour. But that's where we stand. And so I'm, I'm curious. He says about this. Of course, i got more. You know, there's so much more. Uh, again, the bills themselves, vaccine product liability, big tech uh, liability, um, you know, all these other things here. Australian Bill of Rights I've got, National Trial Lawyers, the Atlanta Conference. Uh, we have an election integrity bill. You know, Diane Warner is going to come on at 9 o'clock. So in the hour after Jeff, and she, she may even call in early. Who knows? I, I would. <laughs> you know, uh, the January 6th political prisoners, you know, we've got uh, uh, Project Veritas, you know, the liability uh, of the government, you know, in Ohio, uh, and another issue that we came up, we actually, Pianchi thought of this one, uh, should uh, artificial intelligent robots who are, you know, who are basically acting as employees be reclassified as employees and have companies pay a payroll tax on them? I think the fascinating bill uh, is for nothing but the intellectual exercise, but I think, it's, I think it's a viable thing because if there are so many robots out there that Social Security, Medicare, you know, and some of the other things that we're taxed for are losing their money, you know, to pay beneficiaries, you know, maybe this is a, this is a good situation, you know, now are they going to pass on the cost to consumers? Well, yeah, but they would pass them on if they're employees. But what it does is it uh, saves an additional tax on all of us. Anyway, I don't know how it's going to work out. I mean, I haven't thought of it all the way through. I'd be curious what Jeff says, but those are some of the things we're going to talk about. All right. So let me get to, because I know once we get started with Jeff and Diane, where, you know, it was, it's not like a, uh, what's his name? Uh, who, who's the singer? You know the singer I'm talking about. Little story about Jack and Diane. Yeah, anyway, him. <laughs> um, yeah, I forgot his his, his full name. Yeah. John Cougar, Mellencamp. There we go. Okay, brain disease. All right, so it's now 7.31 uh, Central Time. And, of course, he's at 8.31, so he'll be on in about 29 minutes. So I'll play a couple things here and then I'll come back with a different article just to kind of, um, you know, share the information on something totally different. I haven't figured it out yet, that's why I'm kind of vamping right now. Back in a little bit. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try, even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive. Conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic, and is a family-owned business here ...in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Gravecare. Care. And now as an affiliate of Grave Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Gravecare Care saves you both time and money. through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio Part of the ADHD Radio Network The ultimate free speech zone We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed is Action Radio. So it only took me a second to find out uh, the article I want to cover before, uh, before Jeff Childers gets here. Uh, and that's on the WHO. The WHO, as we used to refer to them, the World Health Organization. And everybody's in a panic that, uh, that uh, Brandon, who's not the president, is going to sign, our ri- sign away all our rights to the WHO, which he can't do. Uh, And the who's going to have jurisdiction over us, which they don't. (laughs) That kind of sums it up for me. So I I don't know what everybody's panicking about. So remember, resist. You know, the the fundamental duty of of the citizen is to resist tyranny. Resist in every way you can. I don't know. Start a radio show. You know, uh, tell your friends. Uh, Write papers. You know, get get on Substack. That's what I do. Uh, In fact, Jeff has a has a wonderful column on Substack, Coffee and COVID. So I'm going to be talking about that, too. So I found this article. Actually, no, I think uh, Tina, uh, one of our, of our operatives out there, uh, this is, uh, sent me an article or actually posted an article from the American Thinker. where I actually had my first article published on, on city states, you know, a way to confine liberals to the big cities. It's, it's kind of an interesting concept. Well, we'll talk about that. February 21st, 2023. So that would have been yesterday. Biden preparing to relinquish national sovereignty to who? Globalists by Olivia Murray. Last year, conservative media ran reports about a pandemic treaty. It was a binding agreement between the World Health Organization and its member states, including these United States. Okay, let me stop it right there. Olivia, we are not a member state of the World Health Organization, okay? We're We're a nation of independent states, which are basically independent nations grouped together called these United States. Not the United States. The United States implies this one country. These, United States, implies that we are fifth separate entities who are joined together and have put uh, with a federal government that we have strictly under our Constitution. We just have to get them to start following it. Okay, second sentence. It seemingly died, although it was only delayed, but now it's been resurrected, and reports suggest that Brandon, my word, is expected to unilaterally enter our country into the treaty, which would subject American citizens to a global medical police state. No, they can't. And so uh, if they try, which they will probably, we're going to resist them, just like we resisted, just like uh, 20% of the airline pilots resisted the jab. And they're the ones probably most in demand right now. They said, no, we're not going to do it. Why, why do you think the airlines get rid of the mandate? They got rid of the mandate because 20% – we heard this from, from Josh Yoder. They got rid of the mandate because 20% of the pilots said no, <laughs> and they couldn't fly without 20% of their pilots. So not everybody has to resist. Just enough people have to resist to, to cause whatever entity it is to cease functioning properly. That's it, okay? Eighty percent went along with it. I'm sorry, you know. Get your get your COVID uh, your vaccine med so you can get over your vaccine injuries. You know, I mean that's the best thing to do. You know, are the skies safe? That's another question. We'll talk about that too. That's that's on our Facebook pages. Anyway, uh, global. I love this line: global medical police state. This looks pretty accurate. So from an epic times, that's epic, not epoch. Epic Times article via J.D. Rucker at America First Report said, written under the banner of the world together. Equitably, I'm talking about propaganda, right? The zero draft grants of the WHO, the power to declare and manage a global pandemic emergency. Isn't that redundant? Isn't a pandemic emergency, isn't a pandemic always an emergency? But I, I digress. Quote goes, once a health emergency is declared, all signatories, including the United States, would submit to the authority of the WHO regarding treatments, government regulations, such as lockdowns and vaccine mandates, global supply chains, and monitoring and surveillance of Populations. Jeff, and I'm going to bring this up, um, bring it up to him because it was really, really interesting. Uh, something that he said in the, the video trial last night, he started off and the judges cut him off because the minute you talk about a constitution with these judges, they, they tend to, to, you know, block it out because they, they don't want to deal with the constitution. So he started talking about the, the Weimar Republic, and, you know, in Germany. This is, this is what existed between World War I under the Kaiser and World War II under Hitler. So the Weimar Republic had a constitution. But the Constitution had a clause 2848. I forgot which one it is. Jeff will let me know. Um, And it it was an emergency. It was an emergency declarations provision. See, our Constitution has no emergency declarations exemption. That's what makes our Constitution work. And that's what he said, too. And I was reminded of it. And he's absolutely right. You know, he said that that the reason that the Weimar Republic was destroyed, because the first thing the government did was declare an emergency. This is why you can never have an emergency clause in the Constitution. You can't have a suspension clause. You can't have a reasonable restrictions. You can't have strict scrutiny, you know, compelling state interests, or any of that stuff that the Supreme Court made up so they could get around the Constitution and, quote, interpret it. Something they can't do either. I'll probably ask them about that as well. But the point is that the Weimar Republic died immediately. The Constitution was gone in a few months. Because, or, or, I don't know, well, he he knows the timeline better, but their Constitution died because they had an emergency clause, an emergency override. That's why the balanced budget amendments would never work. If you look at any balanced budget amendment of the Constitution, it has an override. In case of emergency, this doesn't count. Well, Well, the first thing Congress will do is declare an emergency. You know, what does the president do when they want to do something that they're not allowed to do? They declare an emergency. And they write an executive order. So it's an emergency. We have to do it. We have to do something, which gets back to the same old premise that the Constitution works, freedom works. Your Constitution is never, never void. It cannot be restricted. And in actual fact, following the Constitution ends the situation. In other words, if we'd had the Constitution fully enforced during COVID, we would have had uh, natural herd immunity. We would have had early treatments. Uh, The hospitals would have done what they thought best. The doctors would have done what they thought best. You know, And the whole thing would have been over in a few months, like a normal flu bug which is what it was, it's basically a bioflu bug that didn't affect 99 plus percent of the population any more than moderate symptoms. I had what I considered mild to moderate. Yeah, nasty cough. Oh, it's bad. I hardly do the show. Uh, for a couple of weeks there, I was calling for uh, um, guest hosts and things. You know? So I, I remember COVID really well. Once I got over it, I was over it. <laughs> you know, you know, as soon as I heard what the symptoms were, it's like, oh, I just had that. Okay, good. That's done. Back to the quote. Uh, da, da, da. All right. So here we go. So once a health emergency is declared and, and who's see, the thing is, the, the whole purpose of if you give government the, the power to declare an emergency, then everything becomes an emergency. Everything, you know, and it, it real or not, they'll make an emergency just so they can get the power. This is why an emergency clause can't be in a constitution ever. You can't have an emergency override to to, uh, you know, taking away the power of Congress to borrow money because the first thing they'll do is override it. You know, oh, we've got an emergency. You know, we've we got a war in Ukraine. We have to go. No, you don't. <laughs> you know, n- no money had to go to Ukraine. What they should have done was was brought, you know, Zelensky, the comedian, and Putin, the uh, strongman, as they say, uh, to a table and so, say, okay, you guys, we're going to settle this. <laughs> we're going to settle this right now. So, I in mean Reykjavik. Apparently, that's a popular place. That's where Gorbachev met, uh, uh, met Reagan. All right. So back to the statement. Once a health emergency is declared, all signatories, including the United States, would submit to the authority of the WHO regarding treatments, government regulations, such as lockdowns and vaccine mandates, global supply chains and monitoring and surveillance of populations. Yeah, that's tyranny <laughs> right there. OK, so that's medical tyranny. Uh, so the article says known as the zero draft delegates from WHO member states are set to gather and sign the document in just six days. I think that's today. <laughs> Wait, no. Wait, a minute. what's today? This is the 21st. Uh, It was written on the 21st. It was yesterday, uh, 2023. Okay, so that's good. So today's the 22nd. So six days would be, I don't know, Monday? Wednesday? Okay, fine. My math, like I said, don't don't go by my math. Then it says this might be a tough pill to swallow, but it's our fault too. No, only if we don't resist. It says, of course, we can blame the anti-President Trump crowd who actually voted for this. And we told them, we told them it would be this bad. Additionally, this is the information age, and even with big tech colluding with the federal government in a campaign of censorship, one can still find factual reporting. Yeah, right here on this show, right? After all, we're clued in, uh, so what's their excuse? Then it says, but we Republican conservatives, which I don't include myself in either one. Yeah, I'm registered Republican, but I'm not really a Republican. No, I'm not really conservative either. I don't want to conserve. I want to radically push ahead. (laughs) I want to radically push freedom. (laughs) So I'm what you call an anti-federalist. So if you read the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalists, Papers, I'm an anti-federalist, so that, that's where I am now. I used to be a constitutional independent, but that just didn't seem strong enough. I'll, I'll just go with anti-federalist. You know? So there we go. Anyway, so then it says too many in our ranks uh, go along to get along. Uh, that, that's why I call them the gelding old party. Now you know where that comes from. The GOP, the reason I call the GOP the grand old party, the gelding old party, is because they're a bunch of geldings. If you don't know what that is, look it up.
1: <laughs>
0: You'll be surprised. Uh, Anyway, so I surmise that this comes from either apathy or cowardice. Yeah, that makes sense. Neither of which is the least bit acceptable. That's true, too. Article says, in 2021, I, this would be Olivia who wrote this article, attended a meeting hosted by a prominent and longstanding Republican club. I wish she'd name it. I delivered a two-minute address exposing a Republican candidate for her career spent as a dedicated abortionist, a career of which she was unrepentant. To many in the room, my my assertions were news, but the response? angry yells demanding censorship. Can't show that. <laughs> you know. This is I also recently penned a blog post highlighting the fact that Colin Allred, a Texas Democrat and member of the new selection subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government, was in the current class of the World Economic Forum's Young Global Leaders program. Well there you go. So so the so the young fascists <laughs> it's like the fascist training program. We need a good acronym for that. So the Young Believers leaders, we should call that uh uh what's it I think fascist in training? You know, fascist boot camp. There we go. I, I, I'm, I'm doing a new glossary, all right? So, so let's call it Fascist Boot Camp. Fascist Boot Camp. Okay. And that's called New World. So we'll call it uh, WEF, WeF, World Economic Forum. Uh, what, is that, what do they call them there? Global Leaders. Global Leaders Program. Yeah, we're going to call it Fascist Boot Camp. I have to write this stuff down. I'll forget it. So that's the, that's the one thing about the ADHD brain, Global Leaders Program. Uh, I can't do it before I thought of it, and I, I can't do it after I thought of it because I'll forget it. So I have to do it when I think about it. That's the only way I get stuff done. Ah, it's a tough place to be in my brain. All right. This is already currently under the tutelage of Klaus Schwab and company. To conclude, I pointed out with a hyperlink that Maria Bartiromo of Fox News is also YGL, Young Global Leaders. That's too bad. She was always so good, but I can't get Fox News anyway. It's not on my Roku. She on the YGL website, for goodness sake. Okay. okay. Uh, then it says, the, the last little bit here, both of, the, of those scenarios, what scenarios? i trying to think what scenarios she's talking about here. Well, I guess uh, the young globalist uh, fascist boot camp uh, and uh, the Republicans. <laughs> All right, let's, let's go with that. Both of these scenarios illustrate the reality that many conservatives, although I believe them to be genuine in their love for America, are too neutered to safeguard our liberty. Now, isn't that fascinating that she used the word neutered? What do you think a gelding is? A gelding is a castrated male horse, castrate a castrated female horse. Maybe that's redundant. But the point is, a gelding is castrated, <laughs> okay? Neutered means the same thing. So we're all coming about to the same, the same idea. Republicans are, are geldings, you know, except for the women. <laughs> some of the women are really strong. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, and some other folks. Uh, and we've got, we got a few uh, stallions, you know, in the Republican group. Uh, you know, Jim Jordan, uh, my congressman, Matt Gates. Uh, you know, a little much hair gel on the main, but that's another story. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we got some good people out there. Uh, I wish Devin Nune- Nunez were back in Congress. In fact, I wish he were speaker. That was my plan, make Devin Nunez speaker. I thought that would have been fabulous. Anyway, so it says liberty it says, are too neutered to safeguard our liberty, liberty that is blessed by providence, liberty that was purchased with the blood as General Washington's men tread barefoot through the winter snows of New Jersey to capture the Hessians. On Christmas Day, liberty that was promised when the 56 signers pledged their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor. Liberty, we don't deserve. Well, see, I disagree. We do deserve it. But you get it out, get off your butts and do something. Okay? Now, the easiest thing to do from my perspective is action radio. You know, share our shows. Share our bills. Learn about the bills. Call the show. Comment on the bills. You know, comment on the bills on our website, writeyourlaws.com. You know, that's the place to do all this stuff. Um, you know, and, and it's going to take millions. I mean, really, it's going to take millions of people. So I just heard Tucker Carlson had 4 million uh, viewers on a nightly basis. And he's the most popular. I said, great. That's a start. I want 10 million. I want 10 million worldwide listening to action radio. Oh yeah, sure. Greg. Yeah. Right. In your dreams. No, it's pretty easy actually. Cause everybody wants freedom. Everybody wants freedom but not everybody gets a chance to fight for it in a way that can actually get it. I believe this will work. That's why I'm doing it. Okay, so I've got a bunch of my, my proposed laws. I want I to go over here. Let me um, do something. I, I found on, on uh, Jeff Childers' website. They do have a section on election integrity. So I'm going to pull up our election integrity bill because I haven't talked about it that much, and Diane Warner is going to be on uh, in the next hour. So let me just uh, pull this up here. How come it's not working? Oh, great. I got slow internet today. Great. Oh, there it goes. The Florida Election Integrity Bill of 2023 by Diane Warner, and she also mentions my name there too. Uh, this is in memory of Pete Antonucci, who, act, who actively investigating, uh, who to oh, fix this, actively investigating voter fraud before his sudden and unexpected death. That probably deserves to be investigated too. So the Election Integrity Bill of 2020, 2023 was written for these reasons: one, for lack of transparency. Zero machines of any kind allowed in the polling place. Pre-printed paper ballots only, paper ledgers only. All poll workers bonded. Videotape all ballot counting. 1,000 people or less per precinct, so able to get results by midnight. So the, the first category of reasons for this election integrity bill is the lack of transparency. And The biggest one is the zero machines. I'd say lack of honesty, but um, I'll talk to Diane about that. Next category, to clean the bloated voter rolls and verify citizenship, again, in memory of Pete Antonucci. Voter registration expires at midnight every year on December 31st. That was my idea. Initial registration will be accomplished in person at the SOE office, that's the, uh, uh, the Secretary of uh, Elections or Supervisor, I think a Supervisor of Elections, I'm sorry, with proof of citizenship and proof of residence. Renew annually online, like your car registration, unless something's changed, right? Next category, to cut down on fraud. The only four types of ID accepted, Florida driver's license, passport, government ID, military ID. And I would say uh, the driver's license has to be accompanied by a birth certificate. I would put that in there, too. These, these bills are always subject to amendment because we think of things uh, as we read them. Uh, most of my bills get amended maybe over the course of a year, you know, before I'm really happy with them. Uh, and, of course, the legislature is going to take them. Who knows what they're going to do? And the last category, for future audits, all early voting, uh, mail-in voting must be sorted and stored by precinct. We've got links to the statutes and other things. And then we have the actual sections of law, 97053, 97, uh, where's the next one? got a bunch of 97053, 101.043, this is the Florida statutes. So we actually break these bills down by section, by, by chapter and section for state bills, uh, by title and section for federal bills. Local bills by ordinance, by uh, zoning registration, by uh, you know, whatever, whatever the code is, uh, that, that's how they're done. Okay. So I'm just waiting for Jeff right now. (laughs) I think about eight minutes. Um, And so uh, uh, let's go to his website. Just to let you know more about Jeff uh, Jeff Childers' practice area, commercial litigation. He talks about commercial disputes can be time-consuming and disruptive. And if you engage in the wrong attorney to represent your business in litigation, they could be catastrophic. So he does commercial litigation. This is the part I found interesting. He does election law. Okay, This is right off his website, Childers Law. Right, He says, we can help candidates and voters with election-related issues. So guess why I sent him our election bill? Okay, that's why. Real estate. Childers Law advises and represents our business and individual clients in real estate investment and development, including commercial leases and litigation related to real property. Business corpor- Corporations Law, he says, don't wait. Get Childers Law involved in your business transaction as early as possible to protect your interests and obtain better outcomes. They do asset planning. And oh, here's the, this is, see, I, I didn't get this far myself. This is great. Constitutional Law. We have helped citizens assert their constitutional rights in the areas of medical freedom Parents' rights in education, freedom of speech, and related areas. For example, during the pandemic, Childers law was a pioneer in mask and vaccine mandate law. Okay, so I'm gonna make a big note. Constitutional Let me get finished. We talk about the l. Yes. Anyway, so again I'm vamping. <laughs> I got a few minutes. I don't know. I could play let me, let me play a couple more commercials. That way they'll all be done for the day. So let me do that. I'll take a break. It is now seven fifty three. 753. I'm expecting Jeff to call in any time. In the meantime, I'll play uh scroll back up here. Play a couple things and uh, be right back. From addiction to achievement. That is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with My Pillow and now goes to My Coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of My Pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, W-Y-L, which stands for Write Your Laws. MyPillow pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. You can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? dark winter. No freedom. No liberty. No guns. No representation. No oil. No coal. No nuclear power. No space force. No constitution. No family gatherings. No vacations. Just taxes. Work. Misery. Masks. Lockdowns. And ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. Action Radio. Dedicated to fixing everything. Okay, I think I played everything I can play. (laughs) <laughs> That'll do. It. We got our commercials done. We got our announcements done. I had a little bit of fun here, uh, and so like I say, I'm just waiting for Jeff. And I think you are too, because nobody's called in. Nobody sent me a message. <laughs> and every, every, like the whole the, the whole thing is clear. Everything's clear. My my Facebook is clear. You know the, the, my texting is clear. Uh, my email is clear. You know that my my live chat here is clear. You know on the board, uh, everything's clear. It is completely open. So this is great. So everybody's either listening in or or you're off doing something else. Hopefully you'll be listening in because this is going to be fun. Uh, in fact, I'm hoping to have Jeff on on a, on a somewhat you know he's busy, but whatever, whatever you know, regular basis we can, it's going to be great to do. So I'm going to go back to this who thing, this, uh, uh, this thing. I got a big article. In fact, it's huge print, by the way. It's too big almost to read from the Heritage Foundation, which is not my favorite place because I think we write more bills than they do. Um, I think we've done more work than they do. You know, just us here at Action Radio in terms of legislation than they have in the last you know several decades. But they have a big article. Um, from June 27th, 2022, so this was uh, a little while ago. A WHO pandemic treaty must not infringe on U.S. sovereignty. Well, see, this is the thing I don't understand. They're always arguing that, well, we have to stop this. This, this can't, this can't happen. The, the WHO can't be allowed to to make this treaty. This treaty has no effect on us. It, it doesn't apply. I mean, the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, and I'm not sure where the geldings are that haven't just made that really, really clear to people. This is what we should say: is you know, the, the you know McCarthy. Kevin McDeep State should be up there screaming, well, not screaming, but should be saying in in his, you know, very authoritarian voice. which is rather high high pitched, you know, but he should be saying that Brandon can go off and sign whatever he wants. It's not going to have any effect. I mean, take it away from him. That's what they should be doing. That's what I'd be doing. You know, where's Matt Gaetz? Where's my congressman? Getting up there and saying, this does not affect us. We have a constitution. We are a sovereign nation of sovereign people that cannot be ruled by a foreign entity that cannot be ruled by any world government that cannot have our light, our rights taken away again, because they come from God, they don't come from government. So in the same, these, the problem is these people don't believe it. They still don't believe that rights come from God. They don't. Cause if they did, they'd say, wait a minute, you can't do this. You can't touch our rights. You didn't create them. You can't take them away. I mean, it's just that simple, but they don't do that. They say, well, there's a, well, let me tell you what the heritage foundation said. Uh, key takeaways. Number one, the U.S. has an opportunity to shape the World Health Agency's pandemic treaty into a narrow agreement that prepares the world for future pandemics. Well, that's a total waste of time because you know what's going to happen: you give these people any authority, they're going to take it. They say, "Well, this is—we'll we'll limit it to mass mandates, vaccines, lockdowns, <laughs> you know, social distance, which isn't very social, um, closing of all the schools, all the jobs." Uh, except for the big companies that donate to us, you know, and things like that, and the approved companies and the approved people. So that's how they're gonna that's how they're gonna make it narrow. Okay, so heritage, you're totally wrong. Second point. Without careful diplomacy and clear red lines, this red lines, this treaty is near certain to devolve into an unserious ideological agreement that infringes on US sovereignty. See, you missed the point again. You can't infringe on US sovereignty. That's why we have US sovereignty, you idiots the Heritage Foundation, you know what golfing more than anything else is the amount of money they pay these people. These people make six-figure incomes, and they're, they're spouting BS. You know, I don't make a six-figure income. yet. Yeah, I will. Not yet. You, know, you, gotta start, you guys help me out here. Share the show a few more times. Okay? But the point is that these people are being paid to, to spout nonsense. And this is the premier conservative think tank in the United States today, the Heritage Foundation, the lofty and, and wonderful Heritage Foundation, which doesn't donate to us, but they should. I say, I think we're doing their work. Now, do I sound sour grapes? No, I'm really, I'm really having more fun with them than anything else. I'd still be doing what I'm doing, regardless of the Heritage Foundation. Third takeaway, they even said the Biden administration. My contention is, if you say Biden administration, okay, just saying that affirms the coup. And you can't do that. You're affirming the coup, all right? All right, so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering where my, my guest is. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. You know, I, I, I say, you know, where's my guest? And all of a sudden, the phone rings. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is Diane, so let me just take a quick look here and check it out. Say, hey, where's Jeff? You know, I, I could text him actually. I've, I've uh, you know, I do that. Let me. In fact, I might even do that. Hey, Diane, he's not here yet.
2: <laughs> hey. hey, I'm awake.
0: Well, that's that's good. Have you had your coffee? Well, all right. So Doctor let me. Huh? I'm I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna. Well, actually, I'm, I'm kind of glad you're here because I'm gonna vamp. Um, so let me uh, let me do this here. Uh, and let me send him a text message, you know, because he's not oh, – you, oh, you're still there. Okay, good. So let me just uh, – so tell me what's coming up in the next hour while I, while I send this text message.
1: Oh,
2: there's so much. Gosh. And it, it, this has been one of the wilder weeks of the year that I've had. So. Okay, we'll give people good. a little preview. Um, well, had a really neat conference out at – Nope. There he is. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. He's here. (laughs) That's what happens around here.
0: We 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 don't have a news break. We don't do commercials at the top of the hour. We just go right into it. So since he is here, uh, Mister Jeff Childers, Esquire, uh, we should find out where that comes from too. Let me introduce him the way we introduce all our special guests with this. And our guest of the day is Jeff Childers. So the motto of his, uh, his law firm is efficient, effective, smart, and creative um, law firm in Florida. That's what it says. And so I'm curious what a creative law firm is. That's going to be my first question. So his basic bio, Jeff Childers, is the president and founder of the Childers Law Firm. Jeff externs, I guess that's the opposite of interns, at the Federal Bankruptcy Court in Orlando. He then worked as an associate with the prestigious firm of Winder, Weedle, Haynes, Ward, and Woodman. That's a mouthful. <laughs> in Orlando and Winter Park, Florida before moving back to Gainesville and founding Childers Law. So let's bring him on now. Um, Jeff Childers. Good morning, sir. Welcome to Action Radio.
3: Uh, Good morning, Greg. That was a great introduction. I love that uh, theme music. That's probably the best one I ever had.
0: Okay, well, it gets better. We're going to give you a round of applause, too. appreciate what you do. I'm glad to have you here. I've got about five hours worth of questions, so I'll, I'll be limiting, um, but I, I just, I've been on a rant. I've been talking just myself here for the first hour, uh, and so we're going to get into a bunch of constitutional issues, and anything you want to bring up, feel free. Don't don't think you're limited um, to my questions, but just, just to get folks uh, going here. Children's Law, how did you form it? What do you do? Can you give us a little background on that?
3: Um, sure. I came back to Gainesville in 2009 um, I had uh, my dad was not doing well health wise and we wanted to be closer to him Um, that's the short version and I started with no clients and no prospects and just hung a shingle we've never advertised Um, I've now got uh, three attorneys that work for me and I would say we're very well established in commercial litigation in this part of the country
0: Interesting. Yeah, I went over some of the, the areas that you cover, and if I can pull up your website again here. Um, you had election and constitutional law. That's something I think we might want to uh, get into a little bit as well. But what's creative law? What, what makes you creative compared to other law firms?
3: Question. Um, that's probably the number one most common way people describe what we do. I, I huh. don't know that I ever particularly creative, but we, we think outside the box. Um, you know, to me, what I've, the first thing I'm looking for is what does my client really want? You know, what's the end point? And then what's the fastest way to get there? Not necessarily the flow chart, right? The standard flow chart of a lawsuit is pretty well known. You file a complaint, then there's a motion to dismiss, then there's an answer, then there's discovery, then blah, 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 right? That's mm-hmm. the flow chart. But uh, I, don't, I don't like flowcharts. I never have. You know, maybe it's an OCD or, or um, you know, maybe I have uh, ADHD. You're on the right show
0: something. then. <laughs> You're definitely on the right show. <laughs>
3: yeah, I just want to get my client to what they really want as fast and efficiently as possible. So, so we do things differently than other people do a lot.
0: Hmm. How did you do in law school now that, now that I mean I don't mean grades, things like that, but I'm just thinking the attitudes the the ideas because I have huge problems with the legal profession in terms of the the constant violation of the constitution and because I watched your videos last night um before the Florida district uh, court um but uh but it, do you think that there's the, the law school is where it starts and then lawyers and then judges and all the way up to the Supreme Court judges and I say judge because the constitution does um do you think that the, did you have a different attitude starting from law school did you notice right away that you were approaching law differently
3: So I went to law school as a second career law student so I was older than most of the other kids at law hmm. school and I enjoyed it. I mean it was uh you know it beats working that's for sure and um it's it's such a an intellectual uh theme park you know um and if if you're at all inclined to those kinds of, of wrestling with those intellectual puzzles and um you know that kind of thing then law school is definitely something that you would enjoy now when the kids were all terrified because they thought that if, you know, they failed a class or something, then their life was over, so Mm -hmm. they never got to enjoy it, but I was past that point in life, and um, I did very well in law school, uh, probably because I was so relaxed, and um, I had a good relationship with my liberal professors, of which there were many, but the real problem, Greg, is that now uh, law schools have pretty much been completely overtaken by... Uh, woke diversity, and they're training lawyers to think in terms of equities instead of um, legalities, and those lawyers are coming out, or those students are coming out and becoming lawyers, and then those law- lawyers are going to turn into judges at
0: some point, mm-hmm. and that's the problem. Can you? This is a huge question: equity. We heard the term all the time, but I don't think uh, people, including me, have, an, have a really good handle on the difference between, say, equity and equality. And then we can talk about rights. Can you can you define equity, or how it's being defined now?
3: Yeah, um, the way I like to explain it is, it's it's really just a fancy-sounding word for the childish notion of fairness. So, you know, our, your kid says, "But that's not fair." when mm-hmm. you have a rule, right? You have to go to bed, you know, on time so that you're not tired tomorrow. But that's not fair. Mm. That's a totally one hundred percent subjective feeling. The feeling of that something isn't fair. It's not grounded in any any rational um standards. It's not based on any principles or, or particularly values. It's just a feeling of I want what I want and
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know is getting what I want and I'm not, and so I feel like it's unfair. Now, when you you, um, uh, push that concept through, you know, the filter of um, postgraduate degrees and, uh, you know, virtue signaling and everything, it turns into the word equity. But it means exactly the same thing. It's a subjective demand for getting what you want, something that somebody else has and that you don't have. Uh, so
0: okay go ahead i'm sorry
3: yeah i say that because uh because fairness is such a chimeric concept Mm -hmm. um mean anything that you want it to mean right so you pick anything in the world that somebody else doesn't have and i'll explain to you why equity demands that i should get part of it
0: i think you just defined the the u.n declaration of human rights In other words, we're all human. Therefore, we're all entitled to whatever any human has, you know, that that if you take it to the full extent. And I was just talking about the Who Treaty before you came on. But equities versus legalities. That's really interesting. So is equity legal or is it manufactured? As you say, it's a it's a fancy way of saying fairness, which can be indeterminate. in law, you have to be able to, you know, nail it down and and state it and, and have a statute that people can read and follow. Or, or the Constitution people can read and follow. And if you're dealing in equity, you're not really dealing with anything you can nail down. It's like, you know, silly putty. It's like a blob. It's like it's not – it never has an exact shape. It's it's whatever you want it to be, as opposed to legalities, which should be a standard. If a law says something, it should it should be equal, and you should be – I'm not equal, but you should be able to read the law and apply it and have it, have it make sense. But equity seems – Corrected. Like, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Help me out here.
3: <laughs> reliability, right? You know what the rules are going in, right. but equity allows the people who are in charge to make the rules up as they go along, and most importantly, after the fact. They can apply the rules interactively.
0: Ooh. Well, speaking of children, let's talk about the Florida District Court and uh, the whole Gainesville district. I was horrified, and um, I was thinking about how to ask... this It's a big question. I'm just going to uh, um take a look at some notes here, but it, it comes down to uh, uh, the COVID, the whole COVID policy seems to be freedom and the Constitution versus it's an emergency, it's a pandemic, we can do whatever we want and call it the public interest. And the judges on the panel, and I'm sure you found this in different places, and I think people have found this all across the country, is that the judges come down on it's a pandemic. Even the, the Supreme Court I heard the same thing from especially the leftist judges. Uh, where they keep talking about, well, it's, it's dangerous. You know, millions of people are going to die. We have to do this. You know, your rights can be restricted. There are reasonable restrictions. There is strict scrutiny. There is, uh, you know, what it was some compelling state interest, you know, and if it's reasonable, it's okay. And my contention, and I, I think this is where you are too, is no, the Constitution is always in force. As Pianchi, one of our callers, says, it does not have an on and off switch. In fact, freedom, if it was actually used, would have solved COVID probably in about six months. And we wouldn't be still dealing with it today. So freedom actually works. I want to get to that in a bit. But the idea that the government, they don't believe that rights come from God. They don't believe that our rights are a birthright. They believe they can put reasonable restrictions on them, and it's okay, which to me makes them privileges of the government as opposed to rights. But their approach is, it's okay, it's a pandemic, we can do it. And my approach is, no, the Constitution's always enforced. We always have our rights, no matter how bad it is, whether it's nuclear war, pandemic, whatever. The Constitution and our constitutional rights are always limiting government. What do you think?
3: Yeah, the two concepts that we've been talking about are linked together. So equities and suspension constitution during emergency both spring from the same poison roots. And that is it's a a concept of ends justifying means, first of all, and this notion under certain circumstances the law can be set aside in the furtherance of a greater good. And that's the whole concept behind equity, and it's also the concept behind, suspending the constitution in an emergency. And what I like to point out to judges when I was, you know, arguing cases was that the constitution was drafted during an emergency. That's true. They knew what emergencies were. They could have built the exceptions in there if they wanted them. The whole point was they were trying to provide a foundation that could be relied on during an emergency.
0: You know, it's interesting. I, I've said many times that the Constitution is most needed when there's an emergency. You know, like when they try to declare a war and it's not uh, – when they have a war and it's not declared. Uh, and they have a pandemic and they say, well, these are, these are public health provisions. We have to do it. Um, and what you mentioned in one of the, the videos, I think it was the, the Gainesville uh, appeal, talking about the Weimar Republic. And the Weimar Republic had an emergency override of their constitution. And can you explain that? Because it's a great story, and it was was a great example. They didn't want to hear it, which I thought was fascinating too. But uh, tell me about emergency overrides.
3: Yeah. So um, the Weimar Republic was the German government prior to Hitler's takeover and when it morphed into, you know, something unrecognizable that people just, you know, generally call fascism. But um, the Weimar Republic had a beautiful constitution. It uh, provided for all kinds of of liberal darlings, you know, health (laughs) care, education, um, you know, all sorts of public services, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, everything you could want in a constitution, but it had a fatal flaw which is that it could be suspended during an emergency and worse, um, that the prime minister could rewrite portions of it during an emergency. And so Hitler took advantage of that. He declared a state of emergency and then immediately started getting to work permanently changing Germany's government into something that was unrecognizable to the people who drafted that constitution. Uh, every constitution that contains an emergency provision has either fallen or, you know, suffered horribly because of how those provisions are abused by public officials. I mean, anytime time, just think about it, Anytime a public official wants to do something and they're thwarted because what they want to do isn't constitutional, they look at that emergency provision if it's there right? And they bust they out. it. If only we could figure out how to get this done through an emergency. And eventually that temptation is too great to resist and they begin to create emergencies in order to do the political things that they want to do that, that were prohibited by their constitution. And so it's a, it's, it's a double whammy because not only is something unconstitutional happening... But you've got your own government creating emergencies in order to to do these political things that it wants to do. So uh, it's a pathway to um, the kind of excess that we saw during World War II.
0: Yeah, and that applies directly to COVID, too. I was thinking – I sent you a couple of things – we don't we can't talk about it in detail today because I just sent them this morning. Um, one of them is uh, Diane Warner, who's on the line too, uh, her election integrity bill, um, which I helps a little bit. It's mostly her her work on that. And uh, the other one is our Australian Bill of Individual Rights, where I work with Jen Clark from Australia, who's one of their freedom trucker founders. And one of the provisions was that uh, the, the Bill of Rights is always in force, you know, despite any um, government crisis, you know, real or imagined. So it's, it's exactly the same words you're using. So I said that to you, if you get a chance sometime you when know, you have nothing going on, uh, take a look. I'd be curious to see if the things that we might be able to apply here, uh, either in law or, or possible constitutional amendment. Um, but some of the things that have always bothered me, reasonable restrictions, compelling state interest. Uh, you know, we, we, no right is absolute. And to me, none of that is true. All rights are absolute or they're not rights they're privileges. There are no reasonable restrictions. If it's, restri- you know, if it's a restriction, it's not a right. And this whole theory of a compelling state interest, in other words, we, this is like you said, it's the declaration of emergency. We can take away your rights if we declare an emergency. And again, I say, as you said, too, just a second ago, real or imagined. Where do these terms come from? Do you, do you hold with them? Do, you know, or, is, or my contention, is they, they make no sense. They're just made up so the courts can do what they want as opposed to the legislature declaring an emergency and then doing what they want. What are you saying on those things?
3: So um, during the last century, the Supreme Court faced a number of cases that were very difficult where, um, you know, what the government wanted to do was very obviously good um, and also violated the Constitution. And so the Supreme Court came up with a three-tiered level of review of government action Mm -hmm. when it potentially violates a constitutional provision. And without getting too far into the weeds, uh, that's where words like the words that you were throwing around come from. Um, okay. At the highest level, called strict scrutiny, you have um, a standard that requires the government to show a compelling state interest using the least restrictive means. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it has been, the, the courts have been very, very strict with that standard. It's called strict scrutiny for a reason. Mm-hmm. And they've almost never approved a government action under the strict scrutiny standard. The, the few, uh, for example, in Florida, uh, the, the Florida Supreme Court has routinely stricken down juvenile curfew rules when there have been teenage hooliganism and vandalism and drug dealing using kids because kids, you know, don't face the same, um, you know, criminal penalties that adults do. So, you know, cities, municipalities in Florida responded by saying, all right, well, kids need to be home by 11 o'clock or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the Supreme Court has struck those laws down, finding that they didn't meet a strict scrutiny analysis. So um, it, it, it can be very, very uh, demanding. The problem That we have during these emergencies is that that in particular during the early period of the emergency so you know in COVID they stretch that out into a year Mm -hmm. and during that early period everybody is emotional and hysterical about the emergency and they're not including judges and they're not thinking rationally and so where um, I was always trying to take my cases on the masks and the vaccines was to the point where I could get a court to agree, and ultimately I did in both cases, uh, a court to agree that strict scrutiny applied to um, masking and um, mandatory vaccination or coercive vaccination. Ooh. And so...
0: Okay, now you got my curiosity already now with the two different words. I'll ask you about that. Okay, go ahead. This is interesting. Yeah.
3: Okay, so... Um, Once we get to strict scrutiny, then, under the law, the burden shifts, and I don't have Mm -hmm. to prove anything. All, as a defendant, I have to do is prove that it violates the Constitution and is subject to strict scrutiny, and then the government has to prove that they meet that standard, and they have to prove it using evidence. And so in both cases, I was ready to go to put on evidence about masks and vaccines. But, but Greg, it was not a, um, you know, like a done deal at that point. I, I knew I could lose, and I could lose because the government was going to bring in their experts and their studies. I mean, they get a study. All they have to do is pick up a telephone and order a study, and they they can have any study. <laughs> Best study I, money can buy. <laughs> right. It's money for study comes from the government. So Yeah, oh, yeah. So I knew I was, but here's, the, here's something funny, okay? Mm-hmm. In neither case, when I fought my, you know, uh, my, my ultimate battles with these entities on both the masks and the vaccines, neither time did they put on any evidence. Now, this is so
0: fascinating. Yeah, How I want this. This is a great story. So, so uh, everybody, you definitely want to listen to this part. This is good.
3: Yeah, this is. I don't think most people realize this, but, to, you know, we've had – when back when I started, I was one of the few, like, you know, experienced litigators who was doing anything in this field, right? There was a lot of, of volunteers, right, lawyers who, um, you know, mm-hmm. come from different practice areas and stuff because nobody was doing it, right? There mm-hmm. were hardly any litigators doing it, and so those lawsuits got shot down because those poor guys, you know, were outmatched, but – Uh, Now there's a lot of lawyers, right? We've had a lot of lawsuits. You've seen them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lawsuits, new ones are getting filed all over. But you want to know, this is so amazing. Nobody understands this. So far, not Pfizer, not Moderna, and not the federal government, not any agency has ever put on evidence in a court of law about the safety and efficacy of the vaccines.
0: Not one. That's, I want to ask about that. So, so why? What's, uh, and you use this against them. And I wanted to get into the, the whole idea of, of uh, how, you, how you did this. So, so tell me why they didn't and, and how did you use that?
3: Well, so I can only guess, right, okay. about what's going on in their head, about why they're not um, leaping to put on evidence about how safe and effective their vaccines are. Mm-hmm. But I will just point out, just for you to to, to think about, mm-hmm. if they ever go to that point, they will have to allow discovery.
0: I just wrote down discovery in my notes. I, I swear to God, I just wrote that down. It's, tell me about discovery.
3: So discovery is where the other side in the lawsuit is allowed under the rules to request documents, including confidential documents or trade. Secret documents or whatever, and take depositions under oath of witnesses, uh, including, you know, vaccine developers, uh, people who ran the, the, you know, clinical trials for Pfizer, Anthony Fauci, whatever. Those, that discovery and uh, those depositions would crack open what really happened during the early stages of the pandemic when the vaccines were first approved. Mm-hmm. And there is still a lot of confusion about that. Nobody knows how it happened. Um, you know, the latest things that we're starting to see is that the Department of Defense was heavily involved in it.
0: And Gee, Peter McCullough said that. Dr. McCullough was on the show, I think, about three or four weeks ago, said exactly that. He talks about the Department of Defense half the, half the hour. And I was fascinated by that. So what, what have you learned of late?
3: Uh, so I've looked at the documents, and it, it, it appears pretty clear to me that the Department of Defense coordinated the pandemic response from the first minute. Now, mm. there could be a, a legitimate explanation for it. Uh, let's say you're President Trump and you're faced with this, you know, poss- horrible pandemic, and you, you're watching videos of people dropping in the streets in in China, mm-hmm. um, and you're looking around and who do you put in charge of it? And maybe you think best folks to organize this whole thing is the military because they're used to responding fast and organizing worldwide logistics and whatever, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying you could see how that could happen. Now, uh, but there are some uh, confounders. So, for example, that was never made clear. The military's role was never public. Now, we, we had briefings from admirals, right? You remember that. Mm-hmm. But those yep. were in the context of purely uh, on logistics for moving. Uh, PPE around, and later the vaccines. They were n- the military was never disclosed as being in the the chief op- operating and chief executive officer of the pandemic, which is what the documents appear to show that they were. Um, furthermore, the documents strongly suggest that Pfizer was a licensee of the vaccine technology rather than
0: the inventor. See, I thought Moderna, uh, Moderna, which means modern our MRA, or something like that, whatever it is, but I thought Moderna's came, the ones that came up with it first. I'm not sure, though.
3: So it also looks like Moderna was in the same bucket as Pfizer. So okay. it looks like those companies were licensees of DOD technology mm-hmm. rather and independent inventors and 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 so i'm speculating now but that would be consistent with the odd fact that both of them quote unquote discovered the vaccine at the same time and they both did it so quickly and even you know the, the third one it's maybe the nail in the in the coffin, for my reasoning, is they were the only ones that were approved besides the ill-fated Johnson & Johnson, which is an exception that I think proves the rule, but you know what I'm saying. There was mm-hmm. 20 or 30 vaccine candidates. None of them no. got any.
0: Those,
3: those we're, three.
0: Yeah, we're losing a couple day. of words in your phone call. I don't know if it was a gain or something, or we're just it's occasionally, why like we missed the numbers. So You said 20 or 30 candidates for, for the vaccine? That's was correct. Okay.
3: Um, You know, every company that made vaccines was working on that project, right? It was a um, a once-in-a-lifetime chance, and um, none of them have gotten anywhere to this day. Three years later, nothing new has been approved. Mm -hmm. Right. We we all know about the war against um, non-vaccine treatments. That the government undertook, mm-hmm. right? I why would the government? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah that might Go have ahead. hurt vaccine sales if a, if an effective treatment had come along, right? But why had why would the government care if the vaccine manufacturers would have made less money because an effective treatment came along, right? It doesn't quite square the circle. The the explanation uh, that everybody's using is regulatory capture. What's that mean? And, uh, so regulatory capture is this notion that um, if you create a government agency to supervise an industry, eventually mm-hmm. the industry will um, capture the agency by employing the agency officials after they leave that company, by getting their own people inside of it, by networking and you know, using every kind of influence imaginable. So that, uh, you know, at some point, that agency that's supposed to be policing the industry actually winds up helping the industry instead. That's called
0: regulatory capture. Hmm. And, I, I think it's called uh, nepotism or corruption. <laughs> or graft. And, <laughs> I can think of a bunch of other names for it.
3: Sure, sure. That's just the fancy, uh, you know, $10 word for it. Like but, equity. <laughs> um. So, yeah, and and by the way, on that point, I meant to say, um, fairness is getting what you want. Justice is getting what you deserve. That's how I Hmm. differentiate actors, right? And that's why they don't want justice, and that's why they always modify the word justice with some other word, right? It's never just justice. Social justice is not the same as justice. Justice is getting what you deserve, period. That's it. Mm -hmm. Social justice is equity
0: getting what you want?
3: Hmm.
1: It's
0: like I say about affirmative action. You know, the qualified don't need it, and the unqualified don't deserve it.
3: Yeah, perfect. That's, yeah, that's, you can use
0: uh, that. I don't mind helping out. Um, I want to oh, talk so about that one. But oh, you still, you still, have anything you want. Listen, we have a bunch of them. I call him Dr. Fascist. First of all, it's not Dr. Fauci. So on this show, it's Dr. Fascist, the genocidal, psychopathic, avaricious, narcissistic, pathologically lying vaccine drug pusher. That's his full title. Hmm. Uh, okay, <laughs> that might be a bit long. Objection. Um, big pardon. No objection. Okay, it sounds good. I question on, on, and I don't know if you're involved with this at all, but the, the emergency use authorization. Um, when uh, Dr. Zelanka was alive, we actually wrote a bill. Uh, I got acquainted with him fairly early in the process through a, through a mutual friend. He was on, we had a bill by August of 2020 that redid the whole emergency use procedure. It's still this. The bill is still out there. I'm uh, still trying to get that. And I'll talk about our bills in a bit. But um, what was fascinating was talking to him and talking to some of the other folks. I mean, I read the D.D.R. Road study in Marseille, France. I knew from the very beginning. We, I wrote a bill. Actually, we had Bill Gertz on talking about the Wuhan lab, February 25th of 2020. By February 27th, I had a bill uh, that Congress could only spend half their money on, on vaccines. The rest had to go for early treatments. Uh, and so I already knew. I knew immediately Dr. Fascist was an evil man. It never made sense to me to, to try and create a vaccine for something that usually takes 15 years when the virus is already here. You treat it, you kill it, you cure it, you get rid of it. And I had within a couple of hours a ton of research and a bunch of shows, which I started presenting March 2nd, um, talking about how this is all, the, the, the virus is real, but the response is a total hoax. This is, they're doing everything wrong here, and they're violating rights. And of course, it got worse and worse with you know 15 days to slow the spread. So I've been with this from the beginning. What was your take on this when you were you know entering this process, especially when you had vaccine cases, cases, uh, mandate cases, and mass mask cases? I want to get into those. But when you looked at this emergency use authorization, and they talked, they said the law is very clear. You can't bring in something in an emergency uh, that is untested, unapproved, untried. If something else is already approved, uh, works. And what we knew was. Ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D3, vitamin C, azithromycin, the Zelenco protocol and other things that are working uh, were, were great early treatments. They worked, but you couldn't have those because they wouldn't be able to sell their vaccines, which weren't approved and still unapproved. They're authorized, but they reversed it. They took the legal, made it illegal. They took the illegal, made it legal. And that's what the, and that's the, the results of this emergency, totally overriding even their own laws. So how am I doing and where were you in this process and, and can you sort out the emergency use authorization where we are today on it? Yeah. Big question. So, I know I do that.
3: You know, that was probably, <clears throat> I, I, I think what started to red pill me, if you want to use that term, um, okay. cause I was, just you know, mainstream thinker. Um, I, I wasn't particularly pro vaccines, um, mm-hmm. I only took a flu vaccine a couple times, but I wasn't anti-vax at all. My kids had their vaccines and stuff, um, and uh, I, you know, I, I saw the health freedom movement as kind of kooky, and I wasn't particularly political. I mean, I uh, I couldn't have told you the name of one school board member here in my county, for example. I hmm. just didn't pay any attention. Uh, I'm making up for lost time. Don't worry. But um, <laughs> oh, you're doing fine,
0: actually. It's it's great. Yeah
3: so what what started to to turn me was first the masks, and um, you know i just it, it was a god thing. I was just activated out of a long slumber um, and a very comfortable lifestyle to um, you know get moving on the mask thing. but okay. I started by doing research right and i and I got on PubMed, which is a Uh, search engine for um, academic papers you know studies and stuff that's where you go one of the places you can go to to search them and I got on PubMed and I I searched about the mask, and I found tons of mask studies and they were all uh, they've been studying this for a long time they've been looking at in particular the question about whether mask wearing in hospitals cuts down on flu transmission Mm -hmm. and over and over again the study said no The studies showed, I think I had 60 studies showing that uh, wearing masks, even N95 masks, but certainly cotton masks, um, would not prevent flu transmission. And the, the flu virus is much, much bigger than the COVID virus. The COVID virus is a very simple virus compared to the flu. The flu virus is orders of magnitude bigger. So if the flu virus could get through, a mask, it just seemed common sense to me that the COVID virus would would get through. And uh, at that time, they were denying that COVID was airborne, and that's how they were were playing that shell game. And that was another thing that was because, you know, we had a a WHO advisory uh, pretty early on, you know, right after they told us that it wasn't airborne, they reversed tracks and, and admitted that it was. So at the time that the first mask mandates were coming down the pike in the United States, it was already pretty well known uh in the scientific community that COVID was airborne, although the you know corporate media wasn't admitting it and the you know the quote unquote the, the TV doctor experts were not admitting that. And they all they wanted to talk about was droplets. So so that really bothered me as a lawyer, you know, there was evidence that was not being presented in the case. And then um, they started attacking hydroxychloroquine, and that probably sealed the deal for me, mm-hmm. because um, once again, you know, as a lawyer, I don't trust what anybody says. I want to see the documents for myself. So when this debate about hydroxychloroquine started, and, and you know, you can trace it to around the time that Trump promoted hydroxychloroquine, he called it a miracle cure or something like that, uh, that triggered all the, the libs, but they were resisting it even before then. Um, So I went on PubMed and I started doing the research and what I found was a lot of studies showing hydroxychloroquine had a strong prophylactic and therapeutic uh, benefit for treating coronaviruses. Mm -hmm. And here we have another coronavirus. And so... I allowed, I mean, you know, as a lawyer, I, I argue both sides, right? And um, it's possible that hydroxychloroquine works against all the previous coronaviruses, but not this one, right? That, that could be true. But the fact that it worked against all the previous coronaviruses means we have to talk about it.
0: Yeah, study it, try it, do all kinds of things, yeah.
3: And somebody needs to say, why does it work against the other ones, but not this one. What, what changed, right? Is, there, is, is it a certain gene? How is it evading the hydroxy? I mean, if we could figure out
1: mm-hmm.
3: the difference, that might lead to another therapy, right? Maybe we could tweak the hydroxychloroquine a little bit and it could work. So the fact that they just shut down any discussion on the hydroxychloroquine, given its history as a treatment for coronaviruses, um, was extremely suspect. And when you compare that or combine it with the way that they were handling the masks, what it added up to was a cover-up. At that point, I was convinced. And so if the government is lying about one thing, under the law, if a witness lies about one thing, I'm allowed to tell the jury, the jury shouldn't believe them about anything.
0: Interesting. Okay. That, that makes sense.
3: That is letter law. All I have to do is prove one lie. Hmm. You know, not about wife looks good in that dress. It has to be something, you know, yeah. material. But if I can catch in a material lie, then I can tell the jury that they're entitled to disregard everything that witness said. So the government should be held to a higher standard than a random witness in a court case. I do not believe that there's good reasons for the government to lie to us. I don't think that uh, avoiding panic is a good reason to lie to the American public um, or whatever, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah.
3: I don't know what, what, what they could be worried about that could cause them to say, for example, that the vaccines prevent um, the spread of infection when they clearly don't. And that became obvious and uh, again without any reckoning or or any explanation of the change in policy um, so I, I guess I'm getting a little bit far from your your question but
0: that well, okay. was those feel free just
3: to the transition point for me the mm-hmm. the way the government treated masks and hydroxychloroquine
0: yeah I've got, uh, I want to get Diana here about election integrity, and I want to give you a chance to ask any question you want. But uh, the big purpose that I wanted to talk to you, amongst all the other things, because you're fascinating, this is just, I love this kind of chat, um, is that we have uh, two bills, one on vaccine product liability and the other that ends big tech censorship. And you're off to an Atlanta conference, I think, next month. And so what I'm hoping to do is talk to you on the air, off the air, uh, but see if you'd be interested in possibly advocating those bills. And I don't know if you've had a chance to read them. I know I sent them, but I know you're busy too, and I understand completely. Uh, but I can explain them very simply. And uh, you said to me one thing that was that was very profound, very interesting. When I when I met you on the, in the middle of the baseball field, the Blue Wahoo Stadium, you said, you know, as a lawyer, you know, give us give the lawyers the tools, give give the laws. You know, you need the laws to be able to bring them to court. And I always remembered that. And so I think I've got a couple of them for you. Have you had a chance to take a look and? Uh,
3: no, but I tell you what, let's do this, because mm-hmm. um, you can imagine um, my schedule is insane. Oh, it's horrendous. Uh, it took
0: me two years to get you on the show. I mean, I, believe me, I know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> or a year, anyway. Yeah. But um, what we could do is schedule mm-hmm. half an hour or an hour somewhere soon and maybe do a Zoom and do a doc share, and you can walk me through it.
1: Okay.
3: And you know, point things out and kind of explain what you, your intention were and, and uh, how you intend it to be used, and that will, you know, save me a lot of trying to figure it out for myself. So uh, that's yeah. probably the most efficient way to do it if you can spare the time.
0: Oh, of course I can spare the time. Are you kidding for this? This is, this is my job. This is my career, my life. You know, I love what I do here. I'll give you the simplest explanations possible. The Vaccine Product Liability Bill, there are two places in law where it says that vaccine manufacturers shall not be liable. In a civil lawsuit, well, I take out the word not (laughs) and replace it with the word fully. So it says vaccine manufacturers shall be fully liable. Big tech bill is just as easy to explain. It takes out that Section 230, which gives them the ability to censor anything they find, quote, otherwise objectionable and replaces it with you keep their immunity. They're still immune from what people do with search engines and with, uh, with social media. But if they touch an account, a posting, or if they arrange the search engines, they lose that immunity and they can be sued. And that essentially are uh, those two bills. They're that simple. Okay, I have some uh, <laughs> some questions. And comments oh yeah, no, so it, we could. we'll we'll save for the Zoom. But it just but it just in essence, that's pretty much what it is. You know, do you have any questions for me about Action Radio about what we do here?
3: Um, no, but I, I will say, just tracking on that a little bit further. Um, mm-hmm. What I've been advocating for, and it sounds like um, you know we're doing the same thing in different ways, but. Uh, I've been advocating for a standalone one-sentence bill that would say something like notwithstanding any other provision of state or federal law, vaccine manufacturers, distributors, um, licensors, and, and a long list uh, will be liable for any injury from uh, directly or causally related to the vaccines.
0: Something like that. That's pretty um, much in the bill. That's, that's pretty much what our bill does. Yeah, exactly. and, and, uh, that, yeah. And it also has provisions where, you know, there's preemption statutes where neither the federal nor state governments can make it more difficult to file a lawsuit, get rid of the emergency declaration and get rid of the, the vaccine injury program because that'll be paid for by big pharma. So that's that's the whole bill. We write very simple, very straightforward bills here. So anybody can understand them because I'm not a lawyer. He said with a grin. I'm having fun with you. Yeah, i um, OK, well, let me uh, one quick question here. The National Trial Lawyers Association, I have been trying to reach them. I don't know if you're a member or not or whether you want to be and you can disclose or not. That's up to you. But I would think that especially after the history with big tobacco and the massive lawsuit that I've been trying to reach them and say, look, we've got a bill for vaccine product liability. We've got a bill where you can sue big tech if they mess with people's accounts and censor. So we take away that in the bill. Why aren't they on board? Why, why, why don't they want to talk to me? Why don't they want to help us out here? I don't think they'd be the biggest lobbyists for these bills.
3: So the two groups that you're probably looking at are PI lawyers, personal injury lawyers, or malpractice uh, lawyers. And those, both of those uh, categories and, and the majority probably of the Trial Lawyers Association operate on a contingency basis, and you've seen those commercials and billboards, right? There's no oh, recovery yeah. unless they – their business model is made on – Filtering their intakes so that they get the best chance of having a good case, picking carefully the cases that make it through the filter, uh, and then litigating uh, the hardest on the cases with the best possible recovery. Right. So they, and in the meantime, they're fronting all the money, they're investing it in their in their inventory of cases. So you have to understand that business model in order okay. to get anywhere. On it. now, keeping that business model in mind. You will understand when I tell you that the only way you are going to get them interested in COVID cases is to show them where somebody's recovered some money.
0: Oh, yeah. It's like the same thing. I have to get bills passed before people will support our bills. Yeah. Understand. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, I've, I've heard this. Okay. huh?
3: Right? Because, right. look, they're f***ing the money. You're asking them. To put their own money for experts, for court reporters, for travel, for attorney time, for paralegal Mm -hmm. time, you know, and everything it's expensive to run a law office. Um, You're asking them to front it all on your theory it's a good case. And they're lawyers. They want to see some
0: evidence. Okay. Right? No, it makes sense. It it makes perfect sense. But But big tobacco wouldn't... uh, Couldn't we have learned something from big tobacco? And then, Diana, I promise you, you get the next question. But did the big tobacco liability lawsuits, can we learn something from them or use that as a parallel to big pharma lawsuits?
3: Sure. I think that um, if you look back at the history of the tobacco litigation, you'll see that the floodgates didn't open until after somebody figured out the formula. And so people hmm. like you and me on the front lines, we need to figure the formula out. And okay. as soon as we figure the formula and prove it in in a test case, then the floodgates are going to open and it's going to make the tobacco litigation look like a warm-up act.
0: Interesting. Yeah, let's, well, I'm, I'm, I do have the legislative and you've got the the trial and litigation in. Um, Diane Warner, our election integrity reporter and a citizen legislator who writes her own bills. Diane, you have a question for Jeff? Are you want to present Absolutely. your bill?
2: Absolutely. Hi, Jeff. Yes, I'm so happy that you're on. I've been so excited about this interview today, Jeff. I've been a big fan since the Wahoo event. Um, Deb Vigliel is a good friend of mine, and I've been following you ever since. I, and never in my wildest dreams did I think I would ever want to read something that an attorney wrote every single day, but but I do. I'm a pay, paid subscriber. But, um, Great. I, Chase away my uh, guests. Thanks, Diane. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm also a registered nurse of 43 years, so I knew COVID was a sham from the very beginning when they first said, um, this drug is 100% safe. I knew it was a lie. So when you, everything that you said, just, it really came to heart, you know, from me and I followed, I, I you should see my Facebook, I quote you all the time. So, but um, I think the most important point I want to make today is that you believe the DOD was responsible for COVID um, and that thrills me that you're willing to get out there and to say this. And what what I really want to push forward the point is they haven't stopped with that. They have pushed that right into, uh, they're controlling our election. And if we don't stop this, uh, it's I, I've got my foot in both camps, with the COVID camp and with the election camp. And these are the two more, most important things in our world right now. If we don't solve both of these things, I, I can't even imagine what, you know, the rest of our world is going to end up being, but would love to be able to help and get some legislation passed and get rid of these, uh, the, these machines that are giving us a selection instead of an election.
3: Yeah, well, like Greg said, I mean, it, you know, my philosophy is I'm, as a lawyer, I'm like a mechanic right and i've got a van outside with a whole bunch of tools in it and you know depending on what the problem is uh, if i've got the right tool i can fix it right but if i don't have the right tool i have to go back to the warehouse or uh, we'll have to reschedule and 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 in my case laws are my tools right so i need a law uh and what COVID has highlighted is that that there are some major deficiencies in the law in terms of protecting people's freedom and autonomy in a variety of different ways and and our election systems for that matter. Um, I think, you know, COVID exacerbated some of our electoral problems, but it also revealed a lot of problems that had been there a long time. And You know, I want to recognize that there have been people who have been in the wilderness for a long time, both who have been complaining about election security for a long time and people in the health freedom community who have been regarded as, you know, practically clinically insane, uh, you know, for complaining about vaccines or whatever. uh, And they've been marginalized and scorned and not listened to, you know. And um, those folks deserve a lot of credit because, Uh, Had we listened to them earlier, we might not have had as uh, severe uh, of a time during the last three years like we have had. So I just want to recognize that. Um, Also, uh, we'll make one tiny tweak to um, your kind words. Um, Because I'm a lawyer, you know, this is going to sound like I'm quibbling, but because I'm a lawyer, I I like to be very precise. I'm not saying that the DOD was responsible for COVID or the COVID vaccines. What I'm saying is I've seen evidence that suggests that they might have been involved very early, maybe even to the beginning. And I, I never drew a fine point to it, but since you started it, I'll go ahead and just say it. Um, you know, what I'm thinking again, uh, I don't know for sure. I'm just going off the evidence that I have seen. But I think there is a likelihood that the vaccines were created by the Department of Defense or were in an inventory that they had prior to the pandemic and they were licensed to Pfizer and Moderna because the DOD isn't in the vaccine manufacturing business, certainly not at scale. And so I think that that there is evidence that suggests that Pfizer and Moderna are only government contractors who were hired to produce and distribute these particular mRNA vaccines for some reason.
0: Hmm. So I just wrote down military contractors just like a defense department like uh like Boeing or Raytheon or General Dynamics. Now they've got Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson. Well, they had this is, That's actually an interesting concept, an interesting way to think about it, that they are military contractors. Isn't there a lab somewhere in North Carolina, a bioweapons army lab or something like that, um, that's involved with this? Do you know uh, about that one, Jeff?
3: Yes. I mean, there's there's labs all over the place, but there is. Okay. North Carolina certainly has that. And, and not only that, but Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina has been that's working what I was with right. DOD for a long time. Yeah, is def- there? yeah. yeah I, def- I
2: I definitely am pointed that out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, uh, it just concerns me. We would love to be able to get rid of these machines because I feel like we have no transparency with them. And it's it's a huge battle to try to get rid of these things. But I believe that we we've come up with some really good ideas for our election. And uh, my bill would remove the machines. And then Greg had a really good idea that we could um, stop, uh, re-register everybody every year. That all of our voter registrations would expire at the end of the year, so we could clean our voter rolls.
3: Yeah, so that'd be great. We
2: have, we have. That's pretty much what my bill is wrapped up to, and we'd love to explain it to you. I would uh, love to work with you and try to see if we, you could use your experience and our, our knowledge and a lot of our, the people that support all of us, and try to push some some of these very simplistic bills through Congress. They try to make things so complicated that they can, you know, put in a lot of graft into it and cheat. And uh, we just like to really simplify, just like you were saying.
3: Yeah, I would love to work with you guys. That'd that'd be great.
0: Yay, I'm happy. I've accomplished my mission. (laughs) Let me ask you a, a question that's going to be bothering people, the who this 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 international treaty Uh, i was going over that a little bit in the hour beforehand so you can catch that in the podcast uh uh later but uh, everybody's panicking we're going to lose our rights you know which we can't you know the the world health organization is going to dictate policy to us which they can't you know and everybody's worried about things that that literally can't happen but because they believe they can happen it's like complying with mask and vaccine you know mandates or as you call them coercive i forgot to ask you about that um they're giving people the power by assuming they have it because somebody told, they, told them that they have it, but they really don't have it, and everybody's panicking about this, this treaty. I'm like, no, stop! they can't do it. Resist. That's our job as citizens. Jeff, what do you think?
3: Yeah, so Joe Biden can sign whatever he wants, and there's, um, there's no way to stop him from doing that. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the hysterical stuff I see going around social media right now has to do with we've got to do something to stop it. You can't stop it. He, I mean, Biden is going to do what he wants to do. And he's not going to listen to us, and he's not going to listen to Republican legislators. So people mm-hmm. can calm down about that. Okay. <clears throat> the, the pandemic accord, which is what it's called, is cleverly designed. It, it's even written to get particularly around the United States treaty ratification process. Mm-hmm even though it applies to 194 countries in the world. And look, I don't blame them. They discovered during the pandemic a way to achieve one world government instantaneously because of all these exceptions under emergency um, procedures, right? Mm -hmm. These emergency clauses bypass all the normal democratic safeguards. And you don't have to go and get Congresses or parliaments to approve things. You can just do it. And if only they could get all that power in one place that could tell 194 countries all what to do, then suddenly we could have a a centralized currency. Wouldn't that be nice?
0: Mm -hmm. Right? Because it's an... Yep.
3: We need to have a centralized currency. And we could have, you know, one set of equity rules that can change all the time. And they change all the time everywhere. So there's no control group anymore right so you can't see how anxiety levels in teenagers are doing in the country that doesn't have trans surgeries um so i I don't blame them for doing it it's very natural that having seen the way things work during the pandemic they'd want to go there uh now a a president isn't allowed to sign a treaty without the two-thirds of the senate ratifying it But, of course, over time, especially over the last 50 or 60 years, presidents, you know, like they have been expanding the use of executive orders, they've started using this thing called an executive agreement. And an executive agreement is like a treaty, except it's not ratified by the Senate. It's like an executive order. And I think so far, I don't know if this is all, but I found two Supreme Court cases so far that have approved of executive agreements and and allowed them to survive scrutiny but those cases the executive agreements were much narrower and they were arguably over things that the executive branch of the government had sole control of and so if the executive branch wants to negotiate something then the supreme court apparently says it's okay and it's not the treaty this this who pandemic accord would affect every man, woman, and child in the United States directly. Mm -hmm. And it would invade the sovereignty of every state in the union. And it would make a massive shift of um, control of health policy, which has been considered a police power relegated to the state since the founding of the country. It would suddenly shift that into the federal column, all by Joe Biden signing a piece of paper. So this thing is going to get litigated over the state solicitors general will certainly sue from the red states and um, I find it and I mean who knows what the Supreme Court is going to do but uh, I find it incredible to imagine that they would approve it so I think this just one more example like with the um, you know eviction bans that the Biden administration tried to do over and over. It's just one more example of them doing something they know is unconstitutional, but they want to make us have to work to undo it.
0: Yeah, We've reached the top of the hour, and I don't know if you have other things to do, but if you have a few more minutes, you're, you're welcome. I have probably <laughs> a whole bunch more questions, but uh, it has been wonderful to have you. And if you don't have time, then let's just get your contact information, how can folks reach you, and anything you, any messages you want to leave with people.
3: Yeah, I do have another appointment coming up. I'd be happy to uh, come back on and okay. um, do some time if if you think people would be interested in that.
0: Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. You've got a lot of responsibility yes. from um, Facebook and yes, you are you're definitely welcome back anytime. And you don't have to, to ask. You know, you don't you you're welcome anytime. You can just call. You know, I'll see your number on the board. You know, so uh, you can be spontaneous. You can ask to come on for an hour. You can do whatever you want. You know, you're you are always welcome here on Action Radio.
3: Well, thank you. That is very gracious. Um, as you guys mentioned, I I have a a little blog that I do. Um, it's called coffee and COVID and you can find it at www.coffeeandcovid.com. You need your coffee before you start reading about your COVID news. Although I cover, you know, nowadays, all kinds of world events and politics and whatnot. And folks can find me over there.
2: With a lot of humor. And I love that. I said with (laughs) a lot of humor. I love that. (laughs)
3: <laughs> you gotta you gotta keep a sense of humor about this stuff. Yeah.
0: And where's your office? Absolutely. Phone number, email, uh website, anything you want to give Facebook page, anything like that? For for children's law children's law, excuse me.
3: Um, yeah, they just Google us. We'll come right up. That's probably the easiest way. Uh and you can get the office website and it has all the contact information and whatnot, Childers Law in Gainesville, Florida.
0: Okay. Thank you, sir. We'll talk. We'll get you off the air. I have a contacting your office who's absolutely wonderful. We'll figure out a Zoom. I'll, I'll get Diane for elections, and we'll talk those other two bills And uh, before you go for the conference. But good luck at the conference and whatever you can do to bring about COVID lawsuits to help people. Um, more power to you, and congratulations.
3: Thanks. Thank guys. you, it was a Great Ted. conversation this morning. Thank you, and I'll talk to you guys later.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. Let's give another round of applause here. Where's, where's my applause? Ah, and here we go. Wasn't that fun? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's awesome. So we're he's amazing. So he, so I've been I was talking in the first hour that was an intense hour. I'm gonna do a little musical interlude now, and give you a chance to kind of rest, recoup, pull up all your your computer files and things like that. So I, I forgot these at the end of the show. I don't know if people have noticed if they don't hang out till the end. I've been playing these classical music segments, which is kind of fun. So I got one here. Uh, that's, uh, uh, that's a little Beethoven piano concerto. So I'm going to uh, so mute yourself on your phone. I'll mute me, and we'll come back in about three minutes, and we'll we'll talk about election integrity, uh, everything Jeff talked about, uh, medical freedom, and everything Jeff talked about. <laughs> we'll be right back. We are back, calm and cool, rested and recouped. I've been over my email, my uh, <laughs> Facebook, all my messages, my texting, everything you can think of um, to get us, uh, get us going here again. So, Diane, welcome back. Hello. I kind of like I kinda like uh, idea. He was had awesome. a little pause. What's that? Go ahead.
2: He was awesome.
0: He was awesome. I've been such yeah. a fan
2: of his for a long time. I've been looking forward to this interview for a while. Thank oh yeah, Virginia you were like you're like
0: a teenager at the Beatles concert. You're hysterical.
1: I was. <laughs>
0: you really were. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh yeah, it was pretty it was pretty amazing. You know, know, know said, okay, yeah, some some he knows he's getting paid <laughs>
2: mean, Some well, people have big fans that are getting you know, to think about like athletes and stuff. Who knew mine would be a lawyer, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Never in my well, wildest see, dreams. Never in my wildest dreams.
0: But this is the beauty of this show, is that we get the most amazing people talking to us. I've got uh, I've got Rebecca Hardy tomorrow from Texans for a vaccine choice. I've got Dr. Robert Malone on Friday. You know, we're making some headway. Yeah, exciting week. And, oh, it's a huge week for us, you know. And, and the, the ability to talk to these people. And it took a while to get here. You know, this, is, this, is some, this just doesn't happen overnight, folks. Literally, I've been working uh, to get Jeff on the show for at least a year, uh, ever since that first rally. When was that first rally? It had to be a year ago now.
2: It's been more than a year.
0: Well, however it was, it's been, been, been that long. You know, 2021,
2: wasn't it? Okay. I, I was well, trying to think about that yesterday. Well, I said two years, that seems a bit to, long. Uh, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah, I mean, it's. I was trying to think back, and my Facebook is so crooked, it's so hard to get back to that far.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to look you.
2: back on the dates, but it's so hard to scroll all the way back that far. But I've I put a lot on it since then. <clears throat> excuse me, and a lot of it is from Jeff. <laughs> called, um,
0: well, yeah, from, I mean, his uh, column's great. COVID. Yeah, I wish I had time to read as much stuff as, as is out there. Uh, the, the one thing about being a host is that uh, I read things that are, are show-related, and that is a lot of times, but, um, you know, it's like people send me videos on different uh, talk show hosts. That's a total waste of time, folks. <laughs> I don't I mean, I care what other hosts are saying, but quite frankly, I just don't have time as he doesn't have time. So it took us this long to get him here, but this is the perfect time to get him right before that conference in Atlanta. So now, you know, if we can get the Zoom call in, you know, before he goes, and we'll see if he wants to advocate him, great. Uh, If not, I'll, you know, do what we always do. We keep working on it. But uh, I think he's right that we need need to put some, uh, yeah, we need to put some bills on the board. Uh, And as far as, you know, nothing, they say nothing succeeds like success. You know, why do uh, people with the most uh, signs usually, (laughs) you know, get the vote? You know, why do people with the most name recognition get the vote? People want to go with winners. And they figure the people that are the most visible with the most money are the winners. And that's not the case. You know, the whole idea of, of yeah. doing something completely new like action radio. You know, the, the, there aren't a string of, you know, we're not the, the fifth uh, radio station to come along and say, oh, we're going to write legislation too. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's already been proven. Yeah, we, you guys are welcome. It's not that it's not the case for us. We're breaking on the ground here all the time, every day. And so yeah. it's exciting. But it's challenging for that reason that people mm. it's so new to people. Um so, so highlights from from Jeff's chat. What uh would you come up with? I got I got like three pages of notes. <laughs> I haven't even listened to the podcast yet.
2: <laughs> my my big my biggest excitement is that he's gonna get on Zoom with us and talk to us about our bills and help. Mm-hmm. I'm Is that, that fabulous? Is, I feel like cheering over here.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well you I, can jump up and down cheer now. Go ahead, cheer now.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that. Well, you gotta really pat yourself on the
0: back too. Uh, well, take some credit for things you do well. I mean, that bill is wonderful. Yeah, my name's on it too, but you know, it's really your bill, and you, you know did some amazing. Did. You did yeah, pretty much yeah, uh, half of it. Okay, fine, whatever. Or you know, more. Let's give Let's give you, let's give you <laughs> a cheer. <laughs> You know, so, but this is, but this is the fun of this It's just getting us regular folks out here, you know, to do extraordinary things. And, and that's the point. That's the point of it. Anybody with an idea, we can take that idea. We can shape it into a bill. And I think what, what Jeff may not have known that I think I was able to, at least I hope I was able to explain is how simple these bills really are. You know, your bill, uh, our bill, our bill. Okay, fine. Uh, You know, it's no voting machines, paper ballots counted by videotape. And registrations expire December thirty first. That's yeah, it. And,
2: and we've done. We've actually got some really good ideas about this too. I've been kicking around even with us, all the election integrity. Oh, been do share. last week,
0: please well, um, share. We were, if you can.
2: Well, yeah, absolutely. Um okay. I know a friend of mine really wanted a super voter site, and I'm like, oh, we need machines to be able to count them that fast. And they were like, well, no, maybe not. If we mm. had two separate rooms, or at least a partition in the room, we could have the paper, um, the check-in on the paper, the um, registers, and mm-hmm. you know, completely leave out. We don't want those evas, and that's a whole other thing I need to talk about today. Is that um, that the, um, Clement David Clement, Professor David Clements was here on Sunday. Yeah, tell me about that presentation.
0: Yeah, I was I well, was I getting that, ready for I a show. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. But um, he had, he was here and in, in spoke on Sunday. So there was we've had so many events for election integrity. I've got a bunch to tell you. But, um, mm-hmm. So if we end up getting uh, – we do not have the EVIDS because, the, as he was explaining to us how crooked the EVIDS are, that's the check-in pulling the machine what's, that you what's walk EVID? in. And it you're, you're
0: speaking acronyms EVIDS. again. What's an EVID?
2: I know. I'm explaining. It's like a poll book. It's the machine where you walk in the door to vote, and that's where Uh they check you in on the electronic machine. It's called oh, what's it stand for? Electronic verification.
0: What what does it mean? Okay, but it's called Evid. Evid. We'll
2: look it up later. Okay, but Evid. But um, so when you uh, when you are in this machine, it is always on the internet and it can tell you immediately how many people have voted. So
1: Hmm.
2: the crooked people know exactly how many Republicans have voted, how many Democrats have voted every single minute of the day. So, you know, that is how they know oh, we need to cheat a little bit more. So it's a vote fraud monitor
0: is what you're saying. It's a vote fraud monitor? Exactly.
2: It's exactly (laughs) what it is. And we've got to cut it out. No more machines. So we take that out, we use a paper register. If anybody wants to show up and they don't have their their correct address on their ID, they don't get Uh to vote. Be responsible. Have your ID correct. Uh But then you go and you do have a printer. And the only thing that I would use in there that is a machine would be a printer. And it could not have any kind of a modem in it. And even if it did, like, in Arizona, I know they scaled back, like, 90% on the ballot, so it didn't fit through the printer. It kept jamming and, you know, coming out. But, it wouldn't matter now because we're not going to feed it through a, a machine. You would, uh-huh. take, you would print it out, and that would relieve – I know we talked to our Secretary of Elections here, and they have so many different ballots, so many different precincts because there's so many different candidates that they have, you know, up a hundred, I don't know, tons of different ballots that they have to create. Well, this printer could just print out about the correct ballot, so that would relieve our – uh, Secretary of Elections from having to drag all these ballots, all these different sites. We could mm-hmm. have like seven sites in our city, and then um, have the people come in. They register on the uh, the paper ba- paper register. They get their ballot printed out. They can get a receipt for that ballot. Then they go vote it in a private little booth, and then they hand it to uh, an election person. They can put it in a sleeve if they want secrecy. Well, then an election person can put it into a bin and and wait until there's 50 of them or so collected or even 25 or whatever. But then there's a petition. And then you would have four people, four bonded workers videotape in another part of the room so that you're not videotaping anybody that's coming in or out. The Uh people that are the workers that would be counting could not see the voters coming in and out. So they wouldn't know whose ballot that they're counting. But you'd mm-hmm. have four people counting the same ballot, and then they would take that ballot and they would file it into the precinct from that ballot. So you would have all your ballots filed by precinct. You would have your votes counted continuously all night long, and then you'd report it at the end of the night. You'd be done by freaking eight o'clock.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: oh I yeah, mean, paper
0: ballots are actually counted that faster. Was, that's that's the irony of this: is that the paper ballots. You know, remember that and, that meme that was going that, around. That, Remember <laughs> the Super Bowl meme? That the, the Super Bowl was held in Arizona, so you won't know the score for at least two months.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But you know, machines I mean, aren't they faster. Wouldn't, we wouldn't have they're not faster. A million, the millions of yeah. dollars of machines. They, mm-hmm. they're millions of dollars, and our we bought our last machine in 2009. So you know they have to be. And, and she's already. We found out just yesterday that she's bought a whole bunch more. evids. they're like the poll books. They were they're ordered them and they're going to buy them and. So, okay, explain um, who, who she is and on, what
0: happened yesterday. That's that's a, that's uh, a huge thing that you can. Our secretary of election, right?
2: Yeah. Well, we um, we have our secretary of election did, did save the twenty twenty ballots for us, the November uh, election twenty twenty ballots for us, uh-huh. and she saved them all this time. Yay. Um, so, and we counted. You, we Tappy. counted four precincts yeah. yesterday. Yes, mm-hmm. and our uh, I can't say enough about how they've been able backwards to help us with this. And they saved those ballots for us for this long. Um, mm-hmm. We counted the ballots yesterday, a four precincts. We did Trump's election in the morning, and we did uh, Broxton's election in the afternoon. And that mm-hmm. was it, – it, Trump had a whole bunch of people on – there was like nine different people on the ballot for his election between all the independents and everything. Mm-hmm. So um, we – but – the four precincts, it came out perfectly. I mean, it, what was on the, ba- I mean, the the number of the ballots came up, it, it matched perfectly with the number of the, we looked at the, it's like a CVS receipt that comes out of the machine mm-hmm. on election day, and we compared the counting of the, ba- at the actual ballots. We didn't get to touch the ballots, uh, because, you know, allowed, but they put them up on a screen, a projector, and we had four different people counting and, they had to verify after every five votes uh, that a, that a candidate won, and they'd say tally. So you knew it, it went really smoothly, and uh, and and it was all good. Um, what I, what concerns me is that this was a 2020 November, and I believe if there was going to be cheating happening, it would probably be more likely to be in a primary in a red state, um, or like the Trump. Because, I mean, the Republicans won in 2020 here in Florida. And so I believe that if we had had the ballots for for the 2020 primary, we might have seen something different. Um, I honestly don't believe our SOE or our staff is involved in any problems with the what we were looking at with the machines. Well, so that's good no to know, though. Over this and would have you no know, uh...
0: We shouldn't yeah. find problems. Yeah. So this is actually a really good result yeah. that the, 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 the tallies work out, and that uh, what they're reporting is what you found, you know. And so that's a good that's yeah. good news. You know, I think if we have any problems well, here, they're probably more in the registration end of it, uh, the voter registration, than the actual counting. I think uh, it seems to me that they're counting you know, fairly well. There's So
2: many ways to cheat. There's so many yeah. ways to cheat.
0: Well, no, me, what, problem, what, how I mean, do I love you? Let me count the Dave ways. Was, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Okay,
2: let's count There's the ways. The professor's record is David Clement's, and he was here Sunday and showed us the most, it, it was, yeah, his whole presentation was just very methodical, very, I mean, had a lot of videos, a lot of data, uh, he had a lot of facts, and rattled out of the box, he told us, and we met down in, in Gulf Reef Had a room full of, of patriots down there listening to him, I guess mm-hmm. most of them were patriots, but, um, The first round out of the box, he's saying, well, three out of four Republicans don't believe that our elections are honest. And it was 59% of all Americans believe that we have a problem with our elections. That was from two separate polls. So that's how we started off. And then um, it's actually we've got it on Facebook his whole and and he's he's on the professor's record he's got all of his data right there on his website, but he started showing these clips and he had I didn't count them all, but it seemed like there's was about twenty of them from the twenty twenty election from that it was probably the next morning these newscasts well, this city stopped counting the votes at you know midnight well this city stopped counting their votes at and this city stopped and this county stopped counting their votes twenty different newscasts talking about how they stopped counting the votes in their town,
0: mm mm-hmm. see. See, that's fraud. And that, that's, that's, we, we know what the formula yeah. is. In fact, we had, uh, I don't know if you, you may not have heard the show, but General uh, uh, Tom McInerney, who's the one who exposed all the fraud, the General Tom McInerney was on our show two weeks after the November 2020 election. And he told us exactly how it happened: uh, the the foreign servers, you know, the, uh, the 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 stopping of the election, the uh, the fraudulent entries, the computer you know takeover, the getting rid of the observers. He's, if he he'd even outlined it before the election. He said, "This is how they're going to cheat." So we all knew. So when he came on, he just confirmed it for us. But the ways, is, everybody knows how they're cheating. That's not the problem. The problem is stopping them, because the because well, both parties are invested did. in in cheating. I mean, the, yes. the both the geldings and the Marxists. Our gelding party and yeah. our Marxist party are, well, are invested in cheating.
2: And it, so much is coming out. It's like a fire hose right now. Just, <laughs> 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 um, yeah,
0: that's true. I,
2: I get stuff every ten minutes. I um if you just I'm trying to get a whole lot of it onto our Facebook page. But um oh, yeah. minutes, even offered he he even offered anybody to come up and refute anything that he was saying. And when he mm-hmm. found out we had a county commissioner meeting on Monday morning, he actually went to the county commissioner meeting and spoke to them for four minutes.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. And
2: um, our county commissioners. I know. And this guy comes for free. The knew he he asked, <laughs> Did
0: they know who he was? He just asked. Did they know who he was?
2: I don't know. But they, no. they they intently listened to him. They, and it's all okay. on videotape. You can go look at the county commissioner meeting. And he, was, he could only speak for four minutes. They put a timer on you. But um, we got up, and I got up after him and spoke at the county commission meeting too, and and just challenged our our county commissioners to get a a, a meeting, a special set up a special meeting for all county commissioners and for Kathy uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: to come, our our secretary's election, to and our county attorney as well, who he actually really I believe doesn't like the machines either. He told me personally, but mm-hmm. um, or he doesn't trust the machines. So we would like to get them all together and, and show them uh, David's presentation. And I met with Sappy uh, personally, and I said, you know, I told her about David comments, what he did, and I said, I'd like for you to come and refute it. If he's not telling us the truth, please come, you know, educate us all, you know, because she's in the middle of the system. And But um, they they literally bent over backwards for us yesterday. They didn't charge us much for for, they had to charge us something, but right. they, the employees were awesome yesterday. And, you know, I, and even David Clements was saying that these, all of these machines can be done from somebody sitting on a beach in Bermuda. Oh, so, Barcelona's um, Spain. It's not our,
0: yeah, it's not, our, <laughs> it's, yeah, like the it's not yeah. our
2: SOEs doing it. And that's what I kept trying to make sure that, mm-hmm. she did, that I don't, yeah. I don't feel like
0: I've watching.
2: Hard for the last year. Well, I I don't think the problem
0: is in our county, but I think I think every county should do an audit to find out if their if their county is a problem. I'm happy to find out that we don't have a lot of problems here. I still think the majority of them are actually in the voter registrations, and I think uh, if everybody's vote expires, you know, registration expires, like your car registration expires, you know, every year, then uh, that's going to solve a lot of problems. Um, But I got a question for you. you, you: Does our would our bill work at the county level? Or does it have to be uh, at the state level to get rid of voting machines? Because in you know, other counties, the North Carolina, South Carolina, and Arizona, the actual counties have gotten rid of their machines. Could we do that here? Well, would that require me. a different bill? What would
2: she say? Kathy told me that, that if we defended the machines, that we wouldn't be able to vote in our county because by law, they, we have to use the machines. So I don't know by, what by which law. Is. There's so, so many laws. I know, so exactly. Yeah, by probably, which law? Probably yeah. federal. I think it's probably federal.
0: no. They don't have control over our elections. No. Federal government has no jurisdiction. No, they only have. In fact, they only have. There's, they have limited jurisdiction even over the federal elections, because the state legislatures determine. This is when I bring Steve in here because Steve knows.
2: Steve knows a lot more. Steve's really oh. dug into this a lot oh, more. Oh, see, who who
0: is Steve, on? Steve, Terrell. Steve we'll bring Terrell, him on. Yeah, he, he can co-host with you. I don't care. He's welcome. Yeah,
2: he, he's that. Uh, he's really. There's NVR, is I think what he calls it. Those are the um, the laws that are federal that it. That oh, he can't.
0: talked about yes, I, and I haven't looked that up. yet. He talked about some federal law that governs all elections, and I'm like, they can't. Yeah, you know, and this is what Jeff was talking about too. So, so the, one of the takeaways is that these people don't read the Constitution. They don't believe our rights come from God. They don't think they think that if it's an emergency, they can do whatever they want. Um, but Article, I think, uh, let me see, is it Article One. That has the state legislatures. It says the do, 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 Senate, House, okay, no person, uh, Oh, here we go. Section four, Article one, Section four: The times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives. This is federal, right? Shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. So the state legislature governs federal elections. You know, it's right there. Yeah. Article uh, Article one, Section four. Yeah. You know, so so the I'm idea. Definitely not an this,
2: expert. In- I guess we need no, to be. No, <laughs> I'm not an expert
0: either. That's why I read it. You know, But see, and this is the thing yeah. too. So none of us are experts. In fact, I remember when I was going for my flight instructor, and I had an FAA examiner, and I said, gee, you have to look up the regulations. I thought you knew them. He says, no, nobody can memorize all these things. He said, you, uh, you have to be able to read it, and you don't want to miss something. You don't want to think what the regulation is. You want to use it. And the law is the same way. You don't want to think what the law is. You want to actually read it. And, and so the best yeah. lawyers and the best judges and the best you know, folks out there are actually going to read the statute even if they know it. That's why do you think I refer to the Constitution so often? I don't want to say something wrong. But it's interesting. Jeff didn't pick up on when I talked about Supreme Court judges, or unless he already knew that, which is everybody says justices. They're not justices. They're judges. Article three, it's right there. Yeah. You know. And so anyway, but it was fascinating talking to him. I really. uh, uh, I'd be curious. You know, if you go over his website, uh, which I'll put on Facebook too. uh, But just Childers Law. He's got a Facebook page. It's easy to find. You know, like he says, Google. You know, or, or Duck Duck Go, well, or whatever. However, you find him, it, it's he's, really easy to find. It's hard to get him on the show, but it's, she's really easy to find. Yeah.
2: Coffee and COVID. Is Coffee and COVID. The easy way to find him. That, okay. Yeah, and that's yeah. his blog that he does every day. And I mean, I can't believe he finds the time to write. what well, he writes his, his stuff is lengthy, and I sometimes he I get back up and have it. to do three or four days in a
1: row.
0: No, he probably dictates yeah. it with a really good spell checker, because right? it's very it's very contemporaneous. Yeah. You know, it just, it just goes. It's like stream of consciousness. You know, here's what I'm thinking now. It's like my show. If my show were transcribed, it'd probably look a lot like Coffee and COVID. <laughs> you know,
2: oh, yeah. well, I get backed up several days, and I'm like, oh my God, I gotta catch up.
0: <laughs> oh, you're so bad. You'll you like 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 Lone Ranger cereals, You know, it's it's this is really funny. Do you have his autograph yet? Well, I, mean, I haven't I'm seen him get a whole it. lot. <laughs> yeah, well,
2: I haven't seen him get a whole lot into elections. And so I would really well, love his website. to see him dive into that
0: now. Well, that's why I asked him about it because I found it on his website. And so let me let me switch yeah. screens here back to Childers Law. Um, so, TV show. Oh, that was Chisholm. All right. So the, his practice areas: commercial litigation, election law, which is why I brought it up, real estate, business, corporate law, asset planning, and the last section: constitutional law. So that's why I had all those constitutional questions for him. Next time I get him back on, I want to talk about the Supreme Court, the whole idea that they can't interpret, that they can't make policy. And these people just have no clue. And these idiots on the district court. Have you, if you get a chance, watch that second video on his website uh, when he's talking to the district uh, um, court of Florida about the, the, the Gainesville uh, mask mandate. It's really fascinating. That's where he brought yeah. up the Firearm Republic and the emergency clause. And I said this all the time, too, that, uh, I mean. Oh,
2: that was way back. That was at the beginning, right? Because I watched oh, one yeah. of those three that was way back when. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. But, uh, but, but talking but, about what, it. But what times, I don't but, see. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. What I don't see him talking about is, like, that the machines are, are bad. So that's where I would love to get him to even look at David Clements' oh, information. Let's think like lawyers for a minute.
0: You know, he's going to, want to evidence. Of course, Mike Lindell has more than enough evidence. You know, he's going to look at it. He's yeah. going to want to see the studies. He's going to uh, – and, we, I mean, we do the same thing on the show. I, nothing – I don't make any proclamation until I get the logic and reason filter out. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Is this possible?
2: Well, David David Clements Mm -hmm. is, so Hmm. she's the one that digs in and finds a lot of the data for him. So, um, okay. And he was a, he was a prosecuting attorney. Hmm. So for a long time, and he was at, he actually got fired from his job because he would not press to get the kids, uh, at his college vaccinated and he refused to wear a mask. So that's why he was fired, and that's really revved him up. i come all over the country. He started collecting a lot of evidence, and he's worked with Seth Cashel a lot. Um, you, you know who Seth
1: Cashel is, right?
0: Not really. You know, I mean, I've heard the name, but, okay. um, you know. up. I, I spend so much time doing my thing, I,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. I always keep on everybody else's thing. So tell me about Seth.
2: He's a genius with numbers, um, and he's oh. followed a, and done the numbers about the voting in every state, and really uh, broken them down, and can tell can tell or tell people where the the massive amounts of cheating were specifically. I mean, he's okay. a numbers guy, and he was military. He was um, had something to do. With
0: yeah, but you it, know the problem for me though. I don't even know the, what his uh, title was. The problem for me though is that we know the cheating. We know how they do it. It's all been exposed. Uh, the Arizona audit, which was a year ago, really displayed everything from Dr. Shiva to uh, the, the, the ninjas, the cyber ninjas, which I guess went broke after it. Uh, so, all these, so we all know what the problems are. Same thing with COVID. We know what the problems are. Yeah. We, and we know what the vaccine problems are. We know, what, we know the big tech censorship problems. We, know, we all know the problems. In fact, these shows are driving me crazy because they're, I, I call it, and I've said this before on the show, raising complaining to an art form. They're really good at stating yeah. the problem. Okay, but that's not, yeah. that's not what we need now. We're, we're past that. We've been past that for two years. We need the solutions, okay? So this is why I am so okay. action-oriented, because the solutions for me are very simple. Election integrity can be regained through paper ballots, videotape counting, expiring registrations, uh, and no machines. And so I would, yeah. I, I would rearrange the order a little bit, but that's how I describe the bill. If someone asks you, what's in your election integrity bill? Well, it's very simple. Paper ballots, videotape counting, no machines, and expiring registrations every year. Oh, yeah. so now you've summarized it. So this is what I'm learning to do, too, is summarize. Because Jeff, you know, it was really interesting when I described the bills. You know, I think he was thinking that these are much longer and much more complicated because most bills are much more longer much and longer, much more complicated. And you pointed out accurately, you know, that our bills are not. They're straightforward. They're simple. They're one, one subject. They're a page two, and that's it. But in that page or two, you know, if you go from vaccine manufacturers shall not be liable to vaccine manufacturers shall be fully liable, yes, I've only changed one word. But that one word changes everything. But that's all you have to do. You know, it's like a sculptor—you got to know when to stop chiseling. <laughs> you know, stop—it's done. It's all you need. Back to you, Diane. Are you thinking? Are you still there? Am I still broadcasting? Oh,
2: I—I I accidentally <laughs> hit my mute button. Sorry.
0: <laughs> so if I start rambling incoherently, chances just check your mute button. So we'll just make this a, a rule yeah, from now on. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I yeah, did. Okay. I did. Okay.
2: Well, I think <laughs> that the thing that that I worry about most is in our county, they're like, oh, well, see, we didn't have any problems with, you know, we looked at four precincts and we didn't have any cheating. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome for our county. But we're mm-hmm. using the same machine that they're cheating with and all over the rest of the country. So they would have the opportunity well, to
0: cheat here yeah.
2: if they wanted.
0: you got to admit so, that if all of a sudden a bunch of Democrats won in Santa Rosa County, Florida, that would look a little suspicious, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So we're actually, so, so in, the areas, that, and the areas I believe that, that are protected. If, if they're going to
2: cheat, if they're, mm-hmm. well, they're going to cheat in our county, they're going to do it in the primary because they mm-hmm. want the correct Republican to win.
0: To lose. Yeah, so, they want the Mitt uh, Romney. They want the, the 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 John McCain. You know, they want the Milk Toast. They want the yeah, Kevin McCarthy candidate. They're rhino.
2: Yeah, so, they don't rhino, so, or as we and, call them, transgender
0: we, Democrats. Anyway, go ahead.
2: Well, when we went to go save the 2020 ballots, the 2022 mm-hmm. primary ones had already been shredded. So the only ones that oh. we had a chance to look at were the 2020 ones. But, and, and what I did find out, which mm-hmm. concerns me, is that they don't have to have any uh, chain of evidence. You mean custody. Following the ballot, chain of custody, exactly. For following the ballot after the 10th day, after you certify the election, they don't really care about the ballots anymore. They they somewhat care about them, but they stick them in a a banker's box. They do tape the box, but then they shove them out, and they had put these ballots out in a storage unit, and they assured me that they were the only ones that had a key. But, you know, we're counting ballots that are from 2020 that I don't, know if anybody's ever been through them,
0: you what know, were the boxes they all dusty, like they hadn't been touched, or they looked like they got a bunch of fingerprints on them? Were they clean?
2: Well, they they have somebody transport them all the way to uh to from wherever the storage is back to mm-hmm. the SOE's office. So we didn't we saw that they were taped, but they didn't. I mean, they don't. Mm-hmm. I didn't check them for dust. <laughs>
0: See you now, so, so my suspicious so, mind, you know, my like, suspicious mind, you know, says they brought you the ballots that they wanted to, you know. They uh, they showed you the ballots that were, so we picked, you know. Well, okay.
2: We picked. They they had already picked precincts and brought them in, and they had already mm-hmm. started stacking them in stacks of one hundred. Okay. And just to see how fast the count just was, mean? and I was like, uh, no, we we really don't want that. We want a box that hasn't been touched. <laughs> yeah. We want one that's been taped, one that's not been counted. So we we want a virgin in, ballot
0: box, you know, unviolated. Un- well, as
2: much as possible.
0: <laughs> but, and they
2: did that. They 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 okay. they fulfilled every request that we made. And I have to give them that. And they worked so hard for us yesterday. No, so they're good people here.
0: Is can't a, say, you know, Tappy Valene, Can't say a, enough a,
1: about
0: a, Let's say our good people. Yes. Yeah. It's the Supervisor of Elections, Tappy Valene, who's been on my show several times, yeah. usually at WBY, but she's been on the show. Yeah. You know, she's a good person. Uh, but we want to make them better. Yeah. We want to give them, the, like, yes. like Jeff says, give him the tools that he can take to court. We're gonna, we're gonna create the laws that can make our supervisor of elections and all the election personnel even better. And one of the things we have to do is get chain of custody in there. Yeah, we gotta work on that. Well, that's, I that's mean, a, that's, if we're gonna you know, count
2: the ballots, if, mm-hmm. if we're gonna count the paper ballots, it needs to be in that ten day window of when they've still been locked in those little black bags, so you don't know what he's done. For well, that shouldn't you know, be too hard. Because, well, I don't know. Well, you count them for the election. After That's an the election. first count.
0: Yeah, but you count them for the election. That's yeah. the first count. You do the second count five days later or seven days later. But, I mean, if, we're the,
2: gonna, if we're going to yeah. do paper counts and videotape them, you know, and get rid of the machine, would we'll solve a whole lot of problems.
0: Well, if you I review mean, he, the video, a, I mean, uh, is the video going to be videoing each ballot? I mean, how close is this video camera? What, what's the procedure on that? Or have you gotten that far?
2: Are, but it has to be it has to show each ballot and videotape everything so i imagine you'd have to have a video on every single person or one that's above them and they'd have to have the ballot in front of them i don't know how so we you would do it we'd have to work that out so
0: the video then would be what you check to verify the election you actually count the ballots from the video right 'Cause if the video is photographing or videoing every single ballot, which is not identified with a particular person in any way. But if it's I, if no,
2: is, I think you would be verified. Okay, but wouldn't
0: that be wouldn't that be a, wouldn't that be a count? Video. Wouldn't that be a verifiable count like you're saying? If the yes. video is videoing every ballot in I the precinct, vote. then yeah. that would that would serve as your count. That's your verification. So you can check the video. You can count what what appears on the video screen. Yeah. You wouldn't have to have the ballots at that point, as long as there was chain yeah. of custody for the video. Ooh, another provision. It's getting messy.
2: I, I would well, still want a human counting. Okay. I mean, well, four humans can, can human in a count row too.
0: counting but each after, ballot. Right. But after the but, 10 days, yeah, after the 10 days, you know, and those ballots are shredded, you've still got that video of the actual count.
2: Well, but can people splice in? I don't know.
0: Oh, anything's possible. Videos. People can... Yeah. People, yeah. M- People can mess with anything. I mean, they're telling us that, uh, you know, these objects they're shooting down are, are Chinese spy balloons when they might be, when some guy says, no, it's our balloon. Yeah. It's a poppy balloon. We, 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 $12 balloon. What's wrong with you people? You spent a $400,000 missile I th- I would with, uh, with that a that $20 they... million airplane and you shot down a $12 balloon. This is not particularly efficient.
2: <laughs> yeah. I would think that you would use the video just to keep people. Yeah. That would be my... reasoning for using it and and also to be able to verify that they're actually counting the votes on the ballot
1: correctly
0: Mm -hmm. so no um, I think it would just yeah video has to be close enough to actually see the ballots yeah. 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 We've got 20 minutes left. I've got some other questions for you, uh, some medical stuff, some of the things we talked about from Jeff, but uh, Ohio. One of the things I wanted to explore with Jeff is the liability of the government. You know, how is it that they can make the decision arbitrarily to set fire to all these chemicals, you know, creating phosgene out of vinyl chloride, which is a, which is a war criminal gas was banned after World War I. You know, how is it that they can do that and people can't burn leaves in their backyard? I mean, that, well, you can in Florida, but you can. can't where I was in California. But you think about it, that the government has a, a, one of the topics I, was, I didn't talk about with him because we had other things to do, uh, and it's a big topic, but government liability. Can we hold these people personally liable for these really horrendous decisions? Somebody said it was okay to burn those chemicals. Now, the company couldn't have done that because they're liable for it. You know, the town wouldn't do it because they're responsible to the people. The, 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 the mayor and the town government would have done it. So the only people who could do this and not have any personal liability is the EPA, who did it? They said it was and okay.
2: It,
0: so as a nurse...
2: And Trump is actually going to go. He's actually well, he's gonna on gonna be there, to go yeah, there. Well,
0: I think oh, I'm going to be watching it, trust me. As soon as the, you know, or I'll be catching up on the videos as soon as the show's over. We've got about 20 minutes left. But I'm gonna, I want to check out that today. And Brandon, you know, this, this, is, this is the campaign, folks. It's, it started. It started months ago when he declared. But this is, this is a huge campaign thing because they're going to have to defend their lack of action. And the fact they're giving... You know, they're trying half to get
2: money. rid of him.
0: Of course they are. They're,
2: they've been trying to get rid of him for. They're setting him up to get rid of him, and they just keep just sabotaging him with Kamala every day. It's oh, you talking about getting rid? Are talking about getting rid of Brandon? They,
0: they want yeah. Well, Brandon, yes. yeah. And the idea. is, Well, you know, the funny thing is, most Democrats in the latest poll. In the, in the latest poll, Democrats favor Damn, Brandon Adam. over pretty much everybody else. Huh. You know, you look at the people <laughs> that are there. It's, it's fascinating. Brandon's there because. He's, what. Look at look at the Brandon insurrection. What? Planet, okay? what? Yeah. The idiocracy. Yeah. What right? planet
2: am I living on? Every time I get on and see the the, the nonsense that's getting published for the day.
0: Oh, parallel universe. This is this is unreality. What was supposed to happen was Trump won. Yeah. He was supposed to be president, and we were supposed to have dollar eighty five gas, a wall, uh, uh you know, yeah, uh, cheap and available energy, a great foreign policy. But contained North Korea, no war in, in Ukraine, uh, and uh, great foreign policy. We probably would have been out of NATO by now. And we wouldn't have surrendered in Afghanistan. Uh, and a bunch of other things would have happened that would have been great. We'd be, we'd be a, yeah. a prosperous nation. You know, there wouldn't be, you know, race wars. You wouldn't have Antifa and Black Lives Matter because they'd be, you know, arrested and, you know, put down as an insurrection, which, of course, they are. You know, it would be a totally different world. So I had this weird feeling. And I haven't really talked about this on the air, but I had a very strange feeling. And I, I, I don't want to say premonition or, or something, but I remember thinking back in, in 2017, 2018, when things were really starting to go well. 2019 was, was good, but, of course, the end of it, you know, things were it was just, you know, coming around election year. But 2018 especially, I thought, you know, things are really good now. I really want to enjoy this just in case. You know, I always say just in case. Just in case something happens. I can't imagine Trump not winning the next election. And, of course, I was right. But just in case, so I hope everybody enjoyed what that felt like, to be in a Trump administration with plentiful energy, with a strong foreign policy, a strong military, not going into stupid wars, having a a border patrol that actually could patrol the border, and having jobs come in and having, you know, job growth for for black and Hispanic citizens, you know, uh, huge, you know, I always point that out. But the fact is everybody was, jobs were available, money was available, inflation was like 1%, you know, your money bought things. Um, prices were actually stable or coming down. That's all pretty good. That's what America's supposed to be like. And, those and things, a president that,
2: who actually yeah. did everything what he that said. he said he was going to do. Yeah, yeah, it was the yeah. first president in my lifetime that has uh-huh. done that.
0: Yeah. So, so think about, because Reagan did. Everybody talks about how wonderful Reagan was. Well, we got to bring back the Reagan Republican Party. What, somebody that talks a good game and doesn't do anything? Well, he did one good thing, yeah. cut the taxes and the regulations. But most of Reagan's work was done in his first 100 days. The rest of the time, you know, he just gradually went on the, the on the liberal fly and they just took him down piece by piece by piece. But uh, after his yeah. first hundred days, you know, it was it was downhill. So, you know, that's, that's what I think about Reagan. Um, but uh, but people should know what it, what it feels like to be in a country, you know, where, where the illegal aliens are being kicked out, you know, where crime is lower, where it's, uh, you know, this is what's going on in our cities. And we're in a war zone and we're in a culture. This is the cultural well, revolution. He, he was of, of going America.
2: over it actually negotiating for our betterment instead of for our detriment with other countries. And yeah. you would be like, no, we're not doing that.
0: <laughs> okay. So it. here's the difference. Here's the difference. Take a name. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish. I'm too excited today. No, it, I did. Mm. <laughs> so here's what, here's how I put this and see if this makes sense. Well, the problem we have now is that the government chose the government. Okay. So what people need to understand is that under Trump, Trump was for the American people. That's what he did. He represented us. Loved this country, loves the American people, loves freedom, did all the right stuff. Might have made some mistakes, you know, COVID, but we'll talk about that later. But as far as I'm concerned, his heart was in the right place and his actions were in the right place. Now, the government hated him. Why did they hate him? Because they wanted what they had before, business as usual. So if you let the government choose what they want for us, the American people, now you know. High gas prices, high inflation. Exactly this. Total borrowing. Yeah. Total opposite, right? foreign wars billions of dollars sent overseas five million illegal aliens to water down the population and 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 you know bring about riots in the cities unlimited crime unlimited cost of living increase planned communities no single cars you know no single family homes this is what they want climate change emergencies a who dictating you know social credits vaccine passports limited commerce limited everything government approval for everything you do that's what the government wants for us so this is a really good look you know, in a very short time, between what the government wants for us, if they choose the government, and what we choose for ourselves, we chose Trump. The government chose Brandon. That's the difference. People need to really understand that yeah. clearly. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was good. It's good thing well, we we're on the podcast. Yeah, I, I couldn't yeah, repeat that. A, that was kind of This is a little cool. off yeah. the
2: wall here. But oh, we got fifteen minutes cloned, to be off the wall. But, Go ahead. Okay. Well, you know, in, what was it in the seventies that they cloned that sheep, that first sheep?
1: Yeah, I remember, remember that. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Okay. So who's to say they stopped there? You know and they, you know, that they've got to be cloning humans by this point. They're just not telling us. But uh-huh. I was watching Jeff Zuckerberg on a video yesterday. That guy looks like a zombie. I mean, oh. he looks like, like, he, there's, like, no, I, there's no conscience left in that man. You know, it's like he's controlled and he has no Soul
1: left, <laughs> and well, I think see about that it. in
2: so many people lately, and it, it just, it's just—it's like they don't care. They—they—they they, they honestly don't have a conscience anymore. They don't have. To They're care. running these giant corporations, yeah. and well, they don't—they don't, they don't care. And, and we—we need—I mean, God needs to bless these people and bring their soul back, and and put a conscience on them. And then make them actually care, or, or we've got to get rid of them. I mean, we got to get them out, out of their corporations, and I don't know. It's just that we, I went to a, a really neat event with Deb Big Leon last week, and it's another thing Yeah, I talk I've about that.
0: About. Yep, go ahead.
2: Yeah, oh, my gosh. Um, well, and I know she's been on your show several times uh-huh. with Sally Saxon. They got that new book out, The COVID-19 Vaccines and Beyond. Well, Sally did a whole event down in uh, – it's in – uh, we went to it's past best in, in uh, South Santa Rosa Beach and it was at vision church down there and look oh uh, it was an excellent presentation they were talking about um, COVID and everything COVID and uh, Deb you know, got up and spoke for a long time and they had Jim Thorpe on the video and Sally Saxon spoke but the, just the blessings from that we've got to bring God back into that and um, and they it's like we've someone has stolen the souls <laughs> out of too many people. Well, let's world. let's talk about that for a minute. It, we've taken you're, God you're,
0: out. You're on to something bring here. Him
2: back. And
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. We but, talk about God a lot on this show. Deb yeah, and uh, I. For, yeah. Go well,
2: ahead. Deb has uh, we had realized that God talks to us the same way, and he presses on our souls, and it's it's almost like sitting on our chest until we
0: Don't reveal confidence. This dead might not. Yeah, I just want to get a little caution. Don't reveal something the dead might not want to reveal. If this is a private conversation, but if you want to talk about you, then uh, then uh, that's fine. Because I always I'm very conscious of my friends and anybody on the show actually. But um, okay, so as much as you want to talk about that, that's okay. But I just want to uh, go ahead. We
2: we Mm -hmm. we just it it was a very powering situation. The whole they have a lot of ministry there. They did a lot of Mm -hmm. things. It was good, but it, it. If we bring God back in to every situation, it, it's going to help solve some problems.
1: So,
2: well, as you, as can't have
0: God, you, you can't have You can't have uh, freedom without God, and you can't have God without freedom. You know, the, the two go hand in yeah. hand. You know, because that's the whole basis of the fact that our rights come from God, not from government screwing around with them. And if government thinks that they can put on reasonable restrictions or a strict scrutiny or, or a compelling state interest, all the other crap that we talked about with Jeff, they can't do that. Because they're messing with our God-given rights. Yeah. And our rights are supreme to anything they do, because what they do, they're limited by the Constitution, and they're governed by statutory law, which is under the Constitution, and the Constitution, you know, under God as one nation. But people forget that, that, uh, that God is an empowering, you know, uh, overall presence here, this whole, whole thing, because God wants freedom for us. And Wendy talks about this all the time. This is why we have uh, an Oh My God report. You know, have you have you heard that by the way? It's kind of funny. I have a phone call. <laughs> I have like a I have like a we have God calls to show directly by the way. So I have a <laughs> I might as well play it now. now that I mentioned it, but yeah, every once in a while I kind of freak out Wendy, and uh, she'll just be talking and she'll be pontificating about something brilliant, and uh, and then I'll play this just for the fun of it. So okay, Wendy, hold on. Wait a minute. Yes, God. Oh, you're listening to the show too? Okay, thanks. We're doing the right thing? Okay, keep going? You got it. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> sweet little God conversations right on the show. Always cracks her up. But that, that's some of the antics that we get up to. So yeah, God believes in freedom. God says we're right. Keep going. Ye- so uh, there you go. You know, God calls the show. It's just the way it goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm not quite sure what to do with that, Greg. <laughs> well... <laughs> He, That's okay. He
2: calls me you, frequently, so it's
0: not really well, on the phone. But, well, no, see, we, yeah, but we have a God line, you know. We're, and... we're the world's only show where God calls mm-hmm. directly, you know, by by phone call. <laughs> but nobody else rings. I just everybody else appears on the board, you know. We have a traditional anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah. getting back to the, uh, the the whole idea of, of freedom and the, the things you're talking about, and that the government would choose this for us, people don't. Know, you got to make that connection, you know that. Um, if you, unless you believe in a higher power, then government will be your higher power, or yourself, and then you can't understand what this country is all about if you think the government's the highest power or you're the highest power. You don't get it. You're never going to get it because you've got a fundamental conflict uh, in the in where the hierarchy is. Makes sense.
2: Yeah, definitely. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I also wanted to mention since we had had Louis Brunson on that. That, oh yeah,
0: talk about that, yes. I'm sure Good that you, Thank you
2: did mm-hmm. mention that about the Brunsons, mm-hmm. that they, we were very yep. sad to hear that they did not uh, They did not take their case up. So I'd still like to get Lloyd back on.
0: Well, I want to get back on because I, uh, I want to switch from, from that, uh, that lawsuit to uh, citizen legislation. And I, I'm not doing that just to promote us at Action Radio. I have a very logical reason for doing it. I honestly, at the risk of offending Lloyd Brunson, did not think that that was going to go and did not necessarily think it was the best idea. But I certainly wasn't going to stop him doing it because he he brought an amazing awareness to the issue and to the inadequacies of the Supreme Court. So that was good. However, you've got to look at it from both sides. Like, you know, Jeff Childress told us, he's a lawyer. He has to be able to argue both sides to understand it. So if you say that that members of Congress can be removed for violating their oath of office, what the case comes down to is who defines the oath of office. Who defines supporting the Constitution? Now, he has the right definition. Supporting the Constitution is, the oath of office is, to, uh, and, you know, certainly, uh, war, you know, was, was what was the word I'm trying to think of, um, be against enemies, foreign and domestic. Well, anybody who steals an election is a domestic enemy. Okay? So that's our definition, and that makes sense. But what if, and this, this is how I, I phrase it, you know, if I was thinking like a, like a leftist, like a Marxist, I'd say, well, look, Constitution says that you have to uh, give people welfare. It says right there in the preamble. Promote the general welfare. Of course, that's not what it means, right? But what it means doesn't matter a lot of times if the left is is doing what they think they're doing. And there's just enough people who are selfish enough that want to take money, which they do. Look at all the people getting unemployment now who could be working. Uh, It says, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare. So if we're going to promote welfare, that means a living wage, okay? So if you don't support living wage, if you don't support general welfare, so everybody is generally, you know, okay, then you violate your oath of office and you can be removed from Congress. See how it can be used against you?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's why I didn't what? favor it.
2: Yeah. I, I, so. I knew it was going to be a long shot, but I was sad that they didn't. It sure would have been nice to have wiped out 355 people off where they couldn't come back and serve in an office.
0: Now we can do that yeah, they in the next want, election. Yeah. Yeah, so we can do that next election. See, people who want term limits, you've got term limits every two years for the House and six years for the Senate. If you really want to help, if people really want to help, what you need to do is work to abolish the 17th Amendment and have the senators appointed or elected by their state legislatures so the states get representation back in Congress. You cannot have a republic if the states do not have representation in the federal government directly since it's the states that ratified the Constitution in the first place. That amendment itself is unconstitutional. It goes against uh, every form of federalism, every form of republic. It goes against Article 4, Section 4 that guarantees us a republican form of government. Well, a republican form of government is a separation of powers. So the people elect the House, the, the, the state legislatures elect their senators, and all the states to the Electoral College elect the president. That's how it works. Separation of powers, diversity of vote. Why like that concept. Yeah. That's critical too, you know. So the Supreme Court screws up a lot. Anyway, I want to get back to your nursing thing for a second. So, so if you had any, if you had any advice for people in Ohio, you know, uh, uh, did you ever work with people that, like chemical plants or, or workers or oil refinery or people that uh, you know mixed ammonia and bleach at home, <laughs> you know, which which creates a poison no. gas? I think it's mustard <laughs> gas. Um, did you ever experience that? I did or? not. Okay. Oh.
2: No, I did not. Water. There's so okay. many, so many different, uh, like I don't know, explosions or wrecks, and so many different places. I there someone put on Facebook the other day. They put all the locations across the country where
3: there's yeah, been posted.
2: caustic chemicals spilled, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. there was a couple of them today that showed up today. That um, on Facebook, somebody was sitting on there. So this is intentional. There's no way that this could be. Well,
0: let me ask you the question I asked asked Brianna, uh, Brianna Cannon, who's our government inquiry reporter on Tuesdays. And I said, and I'm still wondering about this. I don't have an answer yet. Are these events being reported because the first one makes news and people are finding similar stories, or are they actually organized and happening together? Because if you look back, uh, all the chicken plants blew up at the same time. Yeah. All all the power stations
2: were
0: were shot at the the same time. Mhm,
2: uh okay, I'll... what I learned out at from out at envision church um w was talking about the chickens how the egg is supposed to be really good for us the the egg yolk and mm-hmm. and that could be a potential reason why we're having so many problems with people they uh a lot of uh people have reported that in this chicken feed that it's uh stopping the chickens from laying the eggs
1: mm-hmm. and all
2: these uh Chickens have been destroyed, and is that potentially because this egg yolk is actually very healing for people with – um
0: Well, those, you know, I think egg, egg uh, yolks egg. are good anyway. I mean, I'll, I'll make a four-egg omelet all the time. I don't care. <laughs> I, you know, protein rush, it's great. And then I go bike ride, you know, a bunch of miles. So, no, I have uh, – yeah. you know, eggs are wonderful. I've always thought eggs are wonderful. I never believed the food – well, I am not say I never believed it, but it didn't make sense. Certain things didn't make sense. Yeah. You know, and and so of course just, I don't get eggs in the too store. Too many things that are. Yeah, I get too many naturally are fed.
2: Too interrelated.
0: Um, yeah, well, okay, let's go through the list. Okay, so uh, working backwards, approximately, if I can remember, you know, we've got right now we've got uh, the chickens. You know, we've got bad feed, so they're not laying eggs. Uh, we've got um, we had processing plants where airplanes are being run into them. Um, we've got uh, tra- uh, trains that are running off the rails. Okay, we had supply chain problems. We had, what else was going on? Uh, this is the power stations, you know, and, and all these different things were were happening, and they all seem to happen in a group. And my question is, are these plans that these attacks are going on, and you can't, I don't know I think we have an answer to this, but I want to pose the question. Are these plans, so these things all seem to be happening at the same time, and they're just moving around different sectors of the economy, or is it just that one bad event happens and they start reporting everything? It's so like you found an article, uh, the, the heart attack with the pilot, you know, um, a small plane, British pilot, right? It's on our, it's on our special yeah. investigations page and a couple of other pages. So a British airplane with the flight instructor, they're just about to land and, uh, you know, the, the co-pilot, you know, slunts and collapses on the shoulder of the, of the pilot. He says, wake up. Uh, it was British, right? Yeah. Hey, what are you doing? Okay. Wake up. Wake up, Charlie. You, know, you can't just sit there and lie on my shoulder. I'm about to land the airplane. So you can't do that, right? Problem was he's dead, <laughs> you know. It's like yep. the Monty Python, and
2: the co-pilot didn't know how to fly the plane.
0: No, <laughs> well, no, they had two pilots Earth on board. Versus, that was a good thing. But well, if they did well, what about the guy that landed the the Cessna Caravan, which is a single prop? I thought he was prop? training.
2: I thought he was training him.
0: No, I think they were both pilots. I read the story. I read okay. see, I went to the original source. You had there were two sources. The ones you had. I went to the, go to the BBC source. It's about. I think it's it's more detailed. Yep. So the British Broadcasting Corporation released a story on the advent the adventure in the airplane where one person collapsed and died on the other while they were in flight. And so what they were reporting was they were – it was windy conditions. It was adverse conditions. And so to make for a safer – they had a co-pilot on board. This is how the story read. Anyway, point being that um, people are dying in airplanes. And, of course, a lot of it is to do with the oxygen. You know, your heart's stressed out more in an oxygen-deprived environment because those cabins, you know, they, they're pre- – oh, 10-second warning. Okay, I'll get over it. Cabins are pressurized to 8,000 feet on an airliner. And small planes fly at 8,000 feet all the time. So there's really not much difference. Yeah. You know, so you go up yeah. fly. It's, a, it's, it's lower oxygen. That's why pilots shouldn't smoke. So don't smoke and go on an airplane. And don't drink. All these things lower your oxygen. So let's put your nurse's hat on and, and see what you think. Uh, we're, we're kind of about – well, yeah, we're on overtime now, but I don't think we'll stick around too long. But, um, you know, what can people do? You know, I still think anybody with flight experience should report it to the the airline cabin crew. Just hey, nice to see you guys today. Hey, that's great. By the way, I'm a flight instructor. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> you know, if you need me, tap me on the shoulder. You know, I, I think people should do yeah,
2: that. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, that's
2: what I tell them when we get if we get on a plane. I tell my husband, for the pilot in the navy, if you need him, mm-hmm. call her.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just my luck, I'd get the chance yeah. to fly an airline, and there'd, there'd be like a couple of captains on board, and I have to sit and watch. You know, I, I want to be a hero one day. Not that, well, that's probably a bad way to do it, but you know, all, all pilots have the dream of landing the airliner, you know, being the only person who can fly on board, <laughs> you know, this is one of those things. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so, but <laughs> in this case, are, are this guy safe? I mean, let's, let's, let's talk about that, you know, and who's got the liability? The airlines are liable. There's another question for Jeff. You know, the, the big is not liable yeah. for their, their non-vaccine, but the airlines are.
2: And Josh Yoder could help with that one.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, he's been on the show.
1: That, yeah,
2: right? I
0: mean, I know the answer to yeah, the question. No. I'm asking it kind of rhetorically, but but the thing is, the airlines That's are right. liable, and I don't want to have to have an airliner, you know, pile in to to prove that uh, we were right. That's, That's not right. the way this My should work.
2: Decided. I'm terrified yeah. of that. Yeah.
3: yeah. Well,
0: and what if I somebody? What if one of big the? Big uh, well, here's a question for football. you. Do you think that uh, the, the the worst thing that could have happened in the Super Bowl would, would have been to have one of their players drop dead on the field? Do you think? Here's, here's my scandal question for the day, that they they put all the, all the players on both teams in the Super Bowl through a bunch of checks, gave them D-dimer, you know, blood clot checks, and it gave them all physical Proponent beforehand. Checks, yeah. Yeah, just to make sure that they didn't have any excess blood clots in their system before the game. What do you think? They
2: should. They I need know. to. Mm-hmm. They absolutely need to, just for the, the health of those players. There's many accidents and heart attacks and strokes that we've had since this shot came out. Yeah. It's stupid not to because, I mean, if somebody dies right on that field and they can't resuscitate them, you know, how are they going to cover that up? Well, I know. They
1: cover,
0: well, they well, the they cover no. everything else up. But. So are they going to get rid of all their players who, who got jabbed and hire a bunch of players yeah. that didn't secretly? I don't know. I don't. Liability? No idea. Yeah. So tell people yeah. about the D-Dimer test, and then let's. Uh, then I'm going to get going. I've got to work on my chauffeur my tomorrow. <laughs> this, one's, this one's been great. This has been fabulous fun. Check out the first half hour. Boy, I was on a rant then. I was ranting. Yeah, well, epic the, rant.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, the first two lab tests that, that I know cardiologist that uh, Peter McCullough was recommending was the troponin test, It's the blood test, and also the Z-dimer test. And it just tells you if you've got blood clots or not, um, potentially. I can't be exact, but it gives you a lot better idea. And some other things that people need to look out for is if you have um, – any inflammation in your extremities. If you've got one arm that inflames bigger than the other one, you know, or your legs, or if you got red streaking from that, or um, you know, pain in your upper arms, and you know, you just you have to what's really red streaking? With that. Uh, often uh,
0: I'm not a, a with red,
2: that. a red lines that come off of like when you have a, a blood clot, you can get some like more red lines that can come down. It hmm. can, that could also be a sign of blood clot, but Okay. Also, some indigestion, and if you have constant indigestion, that can actually be heartburn. I mean, heartburn is actually can be a sign of having a heart attack. Too. So, really, um, you know, wow. I, if if I had taken the shot, I, I always carry aspirin, baby aspirin, in my purse, anyway. and this is just for me personally. But if I thought I was about to have a heart attack, I'd be chewing some aspirin, um at least two. 325 milligram aspirin, I'd be putting them underneath my tongue, and then I'd be going to go get some help. Cause these why aspirin? They're why why baby aspirin? Yeah.
1: Why baby aspirin?
2: Thins your blood. Well, I, it just <laughs> tastes better. The other is nasty. So, <laughs>
1: okay, um, well, that makes sense. <laughs> it's
2: only 81 milligrams, and a lot of people take one of those every day, just, you know, especially if you get older, if you're doing a lot of traveling, sitting in one place, sitting at your desk for long mm-hmm. periods of time. You just don't want blood clots, and but these blood clots are nasty that they've been pulling out of people. They're hard and they're white and they're long and they're fibrous. I mean, but you gotta be able to, to relax your muscles and in your your veins and your arteries to be able to let that blood be able to flow and thin it a little bit where you can get around these blood clots just so you can go mm-hmm. get some health.
1: Yeah.
2: And, is there a food that dissolves would,
0: blood clots? Is are there is a nutrition like like garlic and onions? I've, so those you know, keep those little greek. Well not immediately that's, oh, okay. That'd be
2: long-term. You know, oh, you okay. need something quick. And if you right. got heart problems, you know, uh, there's a lot of, what is that, um, Judy Makovich, she's got some stuff, cardiac. Yeah, Cardio Miracle I've heard and
0: of and some other things. Yeah, that's for the yeah. vaccine injured. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, I'm pretty healthy. And you
2: need something, but you know, the nitroglycerin, yeah. the nitroglycerin will really help if you put it underneath your tongue. That that would be
0: that's fascinating. That an explosive, you know, that's how they make dynamite, folks. That something that makes dynamite can also help your heart. I mean, talk about talk about weird yeah. synergistic effects. It's like Rogaine was a heart medicine, but it also grows hair. Viagra was actually yeah. supposed to have a what was Viagra supposed to do? We know we know what the commercially available option is for, but uh, what's what was it? Wasn't it some kind of medicine for something? Arthritis or something or whatever it was. Do you remember?
2: No idea. No, hmm. I really study Viagra.
0: No, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I keep telling yep. the guys out there: lose weight, exercise more. You know, dump the Viagra. You'll be fine. Okay, on that note, <laughs> I think we've totally lost the show here. Uh, on, on this happy note, thanks, Greg. Okay, thank Good you, job today. great Bill. Wasn't it? Thank you very much. Yeah, this is fun. I want to. I'm, I'm curious to listen to uh, all the things Jeff said. He said so much. That was a really packed hour. So I'm a, excited uh, I'm, to be
2: able to get yeah. him involved with our bills.
0: Oh, right. hey, listen, so you he know, we're, we're, we're working our way. Yeah. Well, Trump's on the show. <laughs> Someday. Yeah. Just keep, work, just keep working our way away. <laughs> We're getting, getting closer every day. All right, Dan. Thank you very much. And uh, contact Bob. your groups. Yeah. What's that? Christina Bob. Yeah, she might come back. And yeah, Christina that'd be great.
1: Christina Bob. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Um, you want to mention okay. any groups, any websites, any Facebook pages, anything before we go?
2: Um, well, our Facebook page is Action Radio Election Integrity Project. That's a good one. If anybody wants to follow us on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Those our, are public groups.
2: Uh, and then... Write your laws if you want
0: to see our bills. Oh, I was going to mention those, but that's okay. You can mention them too. Yeah, writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E. All right, because everybody Mm -hmm. mistakes how to spell it. It's W-R-I-T-E. In other words, write your laws. And of course, the website here, blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. And my new substack, .substack gregpenglis.substack.com, where I have seven parts of a totally amazing reform of our education system. Uh, and also the article there, the nation of government treating Washington as if it were a country, which do and treat us like colonists. Uh, and other than that, that's it. And I played all the things I want to play. So I'm just going to go right to our musical selection for today. Back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Central time. We've got Rebecca Hardy, Texans for vaccine choice. And on Friday we have uh, uh, the great Dr. Robert Malone, the inventor of the messenger RNA vaccine, although somebody said he's not on my Facebook page. We'll worry about that later. Let me get you a little classical selection to <laughs> send us on our way here. Uh, this one should sound familiar. Let me see if I can find it right here. Going once, going twice. Uh, there it is. All right. Talk to you all Thanks, later.
1: Thanks, Greg. Bye. Bye. Thank you.